Podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. back. Much like the Grapple app, Gareth is back. Hi, Gareth. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit like uh, you know when uh, you know you get you get like certain wrestlers who disappear through the summer when when ratings were down. You know, c- come back when uh, when there's good news to her uh, to take credit for. You know, <laughs> we're absolutely overrun again. Here's Gareth, a major from the shadows. <laughs> is, that the, is that the tactic? <laughs> I was just hiding in a darkened room for that month. Well, yeah, app wasn't working. Just avoiding Twitter, avoiding wrestling, everything. It was a uh, fucking couldn't uh, couldn't be asked. But yep, yeah, all back up and running now. So that's uh, mm. one uh, one mighty weight off my shoulders. Anyway, so mm, yeah. good lad. Even though people still give you fucking grief on Twitter about I've it. I've seen that, hey, yeah. Hey, people hey, people getting their own usernames, people, that type of thing. Sometimes it's people writing the wrong username in themselves <laughs> as opposed to uh, the app been not working. So. <laughs> that, was a, that, that was an enjoyable, polite response. I think you just end up having to like copy and paste, like just log out, log in, lads. You'll be fine. Like it's just yeah. If anyone's struggling, log out, log in. I think that is that the advice. Yeah. It's uh, it's running faster. It's running good. You know, it seems to be uh, seems to be going all right. Did you just get fed up with just the the constant uh, barrage? Is that what it was? You just feel like oh, I'm just gonna have to get rid. I'm just gonna have to sort this now. <laughs> just fucking. It was uh, it just it felt like there was just like a million different things wrong with it. There was like shit in the background, like like software. No, it, like it updated and changed and things like that so then something would get fixed on one part of it and it would like break another part and things so it was mm-hmm. a bit of a, a bit of a long-winded process and yeah unfortunately like i said i don't have the old uh same budgets as facebook and twitter and things like that so you know you're uh, you know. <laughs> you're trying to present you're uh, trying to present these apps as professionally as possible and uh things but yeah um, you, you were made you're, uh, like the fpl app was down you were like see it happens to them too it's yeah, not just- I'll, I'll, when, when i go on twitter and twitter's down or instagram's down i'm just like yeah yes even they even even it even happens to them I'm like fuck you i think but I, but I think it reminded people you know how important how integral it's become you know mm. to, to love our fandom and stuff we missed it you know with the, with the G1 and, uh, and stuff as well. I think people like, you know... We took, Did we really miss it, in fairness? Well, um. maybe not. <laughs> it might have saved us some pain is more at war, what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, people were uh, reminded, you know, how big a part of this is uh, of the fandom when you're getting angry at Meltzer throwing out... Uh, apparently, I think Osprey's got the most five-star matches of, like, anyone in history at this point, or you're getting mad at those uh, six-and-a-half-star rings he's throwing out, you know, you were, you didn't have the grapple after turn two, but you do again, so, you know, I think uh, I think people are happy to see it, but it was nice getting the messages of people like on a log and stuff like that. And that's kind of nice and heartening. It makes you think, oh, yeah. And definitely going on there, like once it was like up and running and people coming back and you're going on like the feed and just refreshing that feed and just seeing like, you know, just seeing it come to life again. Mm. Very cathartic. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what else? You A bit like Jesus. <laughs> <when> he, um... <laughs> 
Right. We'll come back to we'll come back to him later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say Gabriel. Well, yeah, got the uh, the man of uh, you. The, that's going to say people who, who might have been missing you, uh, Gareth. You know, you've seen you on uh, on Grapple FPL uh, on uh, on on Thursdays. You've been on the uh, the last couple of weeks, and so we've had you uh, you over there. But yeah, what have you? Uh, what else you been up to while you've uh, while you've been gone? <sighs> I mean, wrestling wise, um, I think. I've pretty much only just been watching AW. Like, I had a big backlog of like app shit, obviously, to do and fucking sort all that out. So I've had a, uh, as well as the other stuff, I've had a good month with the, the spreadsheet there. But um, but yeah, just wrestling wise, just catching up on AW. I had a, it was um, the the worst was that the fucking app went like we were on holiday. We were on holiday in Croatia, and that was when the app broke. And I was like, mm. where we were staying, I'd like the Wi Fi was dog shit as well and stuff. So you were just like, in this like worst case scenario, I'm like stuck here in Eastern Europe with no Wi Fi, <laughs> and like this is happening. You're just like, no, like, so that was bad. But that was a, uh, that was, uh, that was good. I had a nice holiday there. I had a nice trip away with uh, Sarah to Amsterdam as well. That was a uh, fun, uh, fun, fun couple of days uh, there. Recorded a podcast with uh, Alan Farrell that I'd mm. uh, recommend listening to if uh, if anybody out there hasn't. Uh, I had an absolute ball talking about the Steiner brothers for a uh, couple of hours with with Alan, and you know you you know how much yeah. I like I love I love Alan. Like to admit, like yeah. for me, to, like podcasting with Alan's just the best. Like the stories he can just lean on and just his fucking depth of knowledge about stuff and that. It's just it's like fun, funny, educational, everything kind of thing. So that was a uh, that was that was great as part of his 34 L 30 series so um, if you if you haven't listened to any any of those other than the one I was on defo give that a, a, a listen to because that's good mm-hmm. but otherwise out of, uh, out of interest when did you record that mate was it a Monday night like about 9 o'clock something like that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just took the day off work apparently for it I don't know like uh, you're just here out of guilt tonight is that what this is you're making it up to us <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, it was like uh, recording it and knowing that you were recording Spotlight at the same time. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I felt like. Um, when you record uh, from I a did. hotel or in your dirty Yeah, 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 I did. I, yeah. Felt like I, was, I, felt, I felt like I was in a sleazy motel somewhere, like, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> having, having a cheeky little affair with Alan. <laughs> Talking about the Steiner screwdriver, weren't you? <laughs> Matty was telling us about using that in uh, in backyard wrestling uh, on the uh, the Patreon show that people are going to hear about this week. Mate. I can just picture Matty doing that to people, uh, but <laughs> no, I haven't. Actually, I haven't had the chance to listen. To that. Have you heard the JP? I I haven't I haven't heard it yet. Cause I'm Sorry, where where's they going? Yeah, well, you goof. We're not even listening. Yeah, well, I, yeah, well, I haven't been listening to Spotlight either. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet, but I mean, I've I, um, I've heard other other earlier ones uh that, that alan has uh, alan has done so far I, i'm planning on being being on there but other, other better ones no <laughs> fuck off all right just fuck off to stop this now <laughs> turn this on to me yeah. from that point of view they had two fucking great shows that I would, i'd listen to in like preparation for that with the, he did one with rich crate about um Hiroki Goto that Steph would have loved. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure that was a that was a crack one. And the one with Sarah Flannery on Chris Saban as well. That was yeah. a fucking brilliant show as well. Like it's such a good series. Like really, really good, really good. Not just uh, pat myself on the back there, but just yeah, <laughs> some of the some, just excellence. Just just. Give it a listen. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Is that comedy? That's the plug. We usually do the grapple. Yeah. Hey, JP, I don't know what's going on. Guys. Uh, <laughs> trying to get a job with Wade. Like, <laughs> no, he is, isn't I'm he? Sure, they're all great. I love the torch. I listen to all the torches. Stuff. This is what happened. I don't know. I don't, ever since he's opened that Capri Sun, he seems to have just been like <laughs> off the rails here. I don't know what's in that. 
<laughs> fucking devil juice or something flavor of it, not just orange. Do, do you call it? Do, do you call it a Capri Sun as well, Ben? Uh, I'd say Capri Sun, yeah. Why? What would what would yeah. you say? Capri Sun? No, I say I say Capri Sun, but sometimes I hear people say Capri Sun, and I'm like a Capri Sun. It's it's not a Capri Sun, like a Ford like, Capri. Yeah, like I don't know. I was quite intrigued. That's a dated uh, reference, isn't yeah, it? That feels yeah. just shit seems, around it seems weird. You, you do hear people saying that. I thought maybe I thought maybe you might have said it, JP. I thought it might have been a southern thing mm, to call like, it a Capri Sun, like an and that's a fair sh- yeah, it's a fair shout to assume I would have said that. No, but Capri Sun. That's quite. Um, I don't know. There's something cathartic, isn't it, about putting the straw in the side? You know, get get it, get yeah. it in the hole, like, That's... and making it work. It's uh... not now that they've, not now that it's a fucking cardboard straw. It's oh, is the... it? Oh, I haven't yeah. tried. No. That's, that's a... Yeah, fucking joyless. It's a it's a mission. Yeah, you know. I was surprised I got that in there. I've, I've been opening them all summer, and I'm going to do it with scissors and things like that. So I was quite uh, I was quite pleased that uh, <laughs> <laughs> pleased that I managed to work there. Then if you like me, but if you go somewhere that has like plastic straws and I like pocket like twenty, so I could be like, I'll just keep them for later. When I, the next time I get a fucking shit paper straw from like McDonald's or somewhere like that, I'll just replace it with this. That's kind of a, that's just me on the rob though. That's what I do. And and actually, it makes no impact on the fucking sea anyway. The fucking straws, the like it's uh, it's it's a major bone of frustration for for me. This t- taking away our plastic straws and, and the reality is it's just because there's a fucking photo in the paper of a puffy with a straw through its ear or something like that and, <laughs> and like I got it. You but it's, it. Uh, yeah yeah but the but the what is it fucking is it 60 percent of the plastic that's in the sea is from fishing nets so if you want to save the sea and you want to stop fucking eating fish there you go that'll save the fucking sea it'll save the fish as well and i'll have a plastic straw in my macca's milkshake <laughs> yeah get out, it's, it's, get out those coal this, mines as well it, it, right, that's not of, helping instead of this limp soggy kind of thing that i'm trying to suck some milkshake through. <laughs> <laughs> i've gotten quite bad with being on the rob when i've been going to places like that like the other thing you'll do as well weather spoons yeah, can't, can't, like, can't take liverpool out of the boy can you well, they, sorry <laughs> so you have this great like you know me jp i'm hipster i won't i won't have regular milk i like my oat milk i know garrett's not a yeah. not a fan of uh, the, uh, the the fancy milks but they have these little packets of oat milk whenever i go in i can't i'll like i'll use like three for me tea or coffee and then i'll just end up like pocketing like another 15 i think they feel like they probably any day i go and they think they just have a mad rush of vegans instead it's just uh, it's just me going in on the wrong <laughs> free, glad. yeah exactly and it costs a living crisis i mean in october i think we'll all be doing this won't we oh. if not i'm having to give fucking favours to people for bloody paying the heat in that, 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 that'll be what it ends up resorting to sorry that got very dark move away <laughs> it was Alex did that for it it was his birthday last week about the same day as yours isn't it JP and um, yep. he um, he, got, he opened his uh, opened one of his cards and uh, he's collecting his like birthday money that he'd like got off people and then he's um, and then he came over and he came he, he had the he quit in his stance and he went to me and said, there you go, three baths. <laughs> fucking moaning about him about just leaving the hot water running when he's in the bath. <laughs> you taught him well. What is your, well, he likes a bath. I don't know where he got that from. I know, I was going to say, what are you going to do? I can't remember when, uh, when it costs you £300 a bath, like this winter. I don't know what you'll... Uh, you like to become a showers man? I've already converted. I'm already... I'm having to become a shower guy. It's uh, your own money. Is it, have you got a spreadsheet? I can imagine to have a spreadsheet with the income of the house. I'll tell you what, I have, got, I have got... What I have got is the heating off and a, um, a nice grapple CM Punk style um, hoodie or tracky top that I'll be wearing to keep me warm through the uh, winter. <laughs> So well done, anybody who yeah. bought one of them. Keep you well. 
Fucking awesome, that. I'm annoyed because I left it in my mates on Saturday because I was going to bring it down to the ground. In fact, I was wearing it during Oxford versus Crystal Palace and I thought, this is a lively game here. I'm on the second row. Grapple will be all over this if there's like a bit of an upset. <laughs> Did, didn't happen. Michael Elise shot wide in the first half of Palace, but that was basically the sum total of what of the goal mouth action that happened there. How'd you get on? Uh, I was going to see Highbury then, JP. New Highbury, whatever it's called. Uh, uh, the Emirates. Yeah. Ashburton Grove, if we're going to be precise about it. Yeah, good game. Um, it was, you know, first league game. I didn't go to a league game last year, so it was the first one I'd been to in a while. I mean, went there, saw Mitro. He's a shit house. I'll just say that. Like, the atmosphere was mad. Not as much of the chanting of the Saliba song until, like, really after the game. But like kind of a very un-Arsenal like performance in that we showed a bit of grit and came back and won a game from that. So we were going absolutely um like I going mental afterwards and they were singing it in the pub and all sorts. It was yeah, it was good, it was good shit. It was. Uh, Mitrovic was doing a it was proper shit housery. I can smile about it now because we won. But like he was rolling around on the floor like claiming fouls all the time. You see the fucking size of him as well. Like it was, but it was good fun. Went to a food festival yesterday. Top loader were headlining. <laughs> didn't hear, didn't didn't hear dancing in the moonlight. How long was that set? Did you say two hours for top loader? Like I wouldn't thought they'd just be playing that on repeat. Girlfriend said it was after we we had left. Now they they were doing cover versions of other of other Brit pop songs. I've got a couple of videos on there, but they were they were Natalie and Brulia was there tonight. Like you know, all the stars. Oh I had God. some jerk chicken box. All yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the big stars. Half of a park that was not far from me as well. So yeah, saw top load of life. So that's that bucket list uh, <laughs> box ticked. Thank God. Ocean colour scene next. <laughs> there was a point because we were about to record with uh, we've got a the Patreon show with uh, with Matty that'll be coming out uh, tomorrow, our uh, our latest flashback episode. And you were saying to the group chat how oh, top load have just come on and me and Matty were like, is he gonna make it back? Like you, you might just have so much fun watching them do dancing in the moonlight over and over again. Fourteen times and uh, and not come back with I'd you. I loved it. <laughs> like it was Father Ted and instead of the only the only C D single they've got is Ghost Town by the specials and they just play it on a loop, including it, it, it they're playing the Irish national anthem and they have to play Ghost Town by the specials. I wish they'd done that. I wish it just started with Dancing in the Moonlight, ended with Dancing in the Moonlight. It's a guarantee now. It's either at the start or at the end of this podcast is is dancing in the moonlight. It's not. <laughs> it's, it is. Come on. It's also used. Used very well in four lines. We cannot get a trance version of it or something like that. I've heard something. <laughs> JP can happy <laughs> hardcore version. <laughs> happy hardcore version of dancing in the moonlight. You'll have that on your video. You'll have that around. I'll, I'll give it a go. There is, there is actually no tell a lie. I saw there was an Alta Vista remake, so I was listening. I was trying to think what song of, is this that they're playing. So I was like recognizing and went, "That's not one of Top Loaders. They're playing other kind of Brit pop songs." I can vaguely recognize. I like, I'll like, I'll like, it can't be good for their own self worth, can it? Like, we haven't got enough songs to play. What are the other songs people like by bands that were better than us? We'll play them. Well, I did see. Um, oh, what was the name of that? Who did Spirit in the Sky? That song. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the band. Because I saw them live, and I'm pretty sure that's the only song they have. But I was about, like, 16 at the time, so I didn't give a shit. Um, 
Simon mentions they're raving in the moonlight. I wish. Simon says he only wore his grapple t I want I want this to be true. He wore his grapple t shirt to fringe and uh Stuart Lee even mentioned it. I really hope that the grapple t shirt ended up in a in, in a deconstructed Stuart Lee joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's some advertising for you, Gareth. There you go. Money can't buy that. Yeah, I need, to know, I need to know the story now. I need the full story. Doctor and the medics. Doctor and the medics. Uh, you can imagine him bemoaning like kind of the post-ironic wrestling t-shirts. <laughs> Simplistic in their design. <laughs> uh, maybe you think of the, you think of the Gareth Gates cover, maybe JP on that. Uh, I do remember that. Oh, what dance! If Gareth Gates has covered Dancing in the Moonlight, I'll do that. He was loaded with a stammer. Did he? Did he not just go wild with the page three models in the end, Gareth Gates? Is he is he still going? Is he not dead? Or is that Will Young that died? Did one of them die? Gareth Gareth Gates. I know. Yeah, I saw oh. that he, he he was in the paper because the other one died, didn't he? The, the jock, uh, Darius Dinesh. Oh, he, oh that was he, it. He, yeah, he, yeah. Matty was devastated. Oh, big Darius yeah. fan. Yeah, <laughs> didn't you hear did your story about how he met, he met him in, like, in the middle of town and we like started singing a song to him, like whatever his one hit wonder was, and the two of them had a little Who's sing this? song, Matty. Who was he singing to? Uh, Darius, what, what's his name? Darius. Uh, Darius Dinesh. Uh, Darius Dinesh. Uh, yeah. so Matty started, Matty started yeah. singing to him. Oh, God, love him. Uh, this is amazing. Yeah, apparently Simon. He did, shag, he did shag Jordan, didn't he? Yeah. Gareth Gates. Remember that? Oh, no. I think it was Simon. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He Gareth Gates would not have been able to handle <laughs> handle Jordan whole conversation going on here in the chat well, I was going to say Simon apparently was identified as the man in the grapple t-shirt get that drop if that makes any kind oh. of audio or video or whatever we need to find it find that that's amazing I need to send him a grapple t-shirt Stuart Lee <laughs> I can't imagine of all the things he might spend his time doing could you imagine him like you know putting in the ratings for Noah or something <laughs> you never know like some you get some like like john carpenter True. i saw an interview with him this week where he was like talking about piper and talking about they live and it being like co-opted by nazis and stuff like that but like at one point like the interview brought up like you know wrestling being fake or something like that he was like defending it and talking about how you know it's maybe not as good as it used to be but you know that he seemed like he was in tune he felt a bit like he might be an observer reader you never know you know big yeah. david little listener's name if you john is, carpenter the greatest horror director of all time, by the way, to put that one to rest. <laughs> but, like, I love that. It, anytime you see, like, it's like Dominic Cummings being into wrestling. We, so we did obviously a, a Patreon show about celebrity involvement in wrestling, but celebrity wrestling fans, the weirder ones, are like kind of, it's great. Like, I love that shit. Remember Norfield? Was it no, no, no feeling? No, Clark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that ended well. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot like that, isn't there? Yeah, but it'd be fun if, I mean, you know, just trying to think of wacky celebrities who would, you know, Major Charles Ingram turned up at a GPW show or something like that. <laughs> that would be like some, like kind of wild shit, wouldn't it? I'd watch that. <laughs> Pam St. Clement going to Oxford Wrestling near me. You know, that'd be... <laughs> Good to be being a fan. Uh, but no, you mentioned there, you know, while Gareth's been busy on the uh, on the torch, you know, we've uh, been busy mm-hmm. over on the, on the Patreon uh, 
side. Um, obviously, we were uh, we were over there. Came to in the uh, this week. JP, or they'll be uh, yep. coming out tomorrow for uh, for patrons. The uh, the UK. Uh, we're looking at some UK pay per views. Uh, we did a, a mm-hmm. poll as to uh, which one we'd do. You know, it wasn't just SummerSlam '92 that was the uh, the big show uh, in this country uh, over the last uh, thirty years. You know, there was also uh, kind of that weird run in the uh, in the nineties. We were convinced that. Uh, the one night only ninety seven was gonna was gonna win the poll ended up being a, a three way time. We ended up, as we'll explain on the show, we ended up doing a capital carnage because it was basically the one of the three shows that uh, that won that uh, that actually made proper tape or at least is uh, is available oh, yeah. as far as uh, as on the network goes. But no, that was a that was a hell of a laugh. Maybe Manchester was the other one that was uh, that was close to uh, to winning Gareth. I know uh, if we if we got one, I think we might have uh, been able to uh, to drag you on. But apparently you were there live. But apparently that that was the one that we, um, apparently there's only like a one-hour VHS copy of it somewhere. It's not even not even on the uh, the network. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we tried to, uh, to to get like uh, a copy of it. We just uh, if JP can't find it, it basically basically say. doesn't exist. Yeah. But you got it. Fond memories of that one or uh, WWF uh, UK pay-per-views in general? Like that was the first ever live wrestling show that I ever went to. That so um, it was. Um, it's one of them where you're like, <laughs> I'm just like when we were like looking and I was like maybe going to be on the show and you're like looking up the lineup and, and it was like first match on the list is like Jeff Jarrett against Brackus and I'm like what a what, what a like Jeff Jarrett was in the first ever live wrestling match that I ever saw so there's a there's one for uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's one for the control of Jeff there but uh, but then I'm guessing that Brackus probably came to the ring first so maybe Brackus was the first uh, the, the, wow. first, the first wrestler ring entrance I ever saw live with my own eyes which is a uh, quite amusing but it is it is fucking wild like when you look at what was on that show and like you had like steve austin against triple h and um uh, like undertaker against kane and stuff like at the time like fucking the rock was on the show you know Owen Hart on the show it's just like a who's who really so so it's pr- it's pretty cool really that when you think of you know you do think of these those UK pay-per-views, they were obviously very much, they weren't even B pay-per-views, were they? they were like Z pay-per-views, really, mm. sort of thing. But you're still getting the guys over and still getting the chance to see them live. It was pretty pretty cool. I man- managed to drag one of my mates along on the premise that he was going to be able to see Sonny live, but um, <laughs> he, didn't get to, he, he didn't get to see much from the back row of the 9X. So. <laughs> <laughs> the 9X, bloody hell, yeah. <laughs> it sounds a bit like this. What is really weird is that show's just, it, they haven't got a good copy of it. 1998, for fuck's sakes. What about like 87 or something? And instead, it's become like, you know, for Gareth, it's very much his going to see the Sex Pistols at the Lesser Free Trade Hall or something <laughs> like that, isn't it? It's just like, unless you were there, like him and Simon were, there was like, you know, you, you're never seeing this show. I was going to say... It's like funny, it, it, oh, go on. Oh, go on, man. Go on. I was going to say, no, Simon's just beat me to it, but like I was going to say, literally, you got to see you got to see the American badass before he's the American badass, Undertaker, in, uh, in his normal clothes as his gear got lost in the airport. That's a, a moment in history you were at, mate. Yeah, and maybe that's where my hatred of the American badass came from. Just uh, seeing him live and in the flesh at that moment. Maybe that's uh, maybe that was the trigger. But it's funny. Like I'm, again, just looking at these properly. Like Austin and Triple H went half an hour. I'm like fucking. I can't even think. What, what could Austin have done for half an hour in fucking like 1998? He must have just. Oh, I can't, I've got no memories of the match at all. But it's fucking Steve uh, wouldn't have. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> we never had half an hour's work in him, would he? In ninety-eight. Walk and brawl, you know. He, he can make, yeah. can make it work for, for half an hour. <laughs> I'm sure there was bollocks, you Mate. know, and nonsense. It's like the the Whoa. one we watched, Capital Carnage. It's like ten mm. minutes of the match go by before he even comes out. You know, it's like Kane and the bigger brawling <laughs> yeah. somewhere, and then eventually, eventually he makes his entrance. Then you know how to time those things out. He he does his pops, gets in there with Vinnie Jones. In there as well. There's a few things on here on this kind of capital carnage card, like you go through where you just think, like, Jesus Christ, like it's there's a lot of matches to get through here. There's an a Vince McMahon promo in the middle that oh is Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like it, it's it is wild, like uh wildly racist as well, just to, to kind of throw that into it. But it's weird because they've got this mentality like with those UK-only pay-per-views because like it, they were just sold shows, weren't they, at the end of the day? And obviously they ran the course because we all got onto it. Like Even as like a 13-year-old kid, once one night only had happened and we got into Capital Carnage, which was the second one, you're immediately realising, oh, these shows don't matter. Oh, the Americans aren't even seeing these shows, so of course they're not going to put put any effort in. But like, look, looking like looking at it, like analyzing it as a business plan. I actually think I was saying to JP, got it. They were actually a good idea because you think of it like we got the pay per views for free anyway. So the idea, well, you know, they couldn't probably couldn't add any more pay per views in America. But if Sky were launching Sky Box Office, and we're like, we want some extra shows to put on our box office. They're willing to play WWE to come over. If it was a lot of stupid enough, because probably mainly because it was on like eight o'clock on like a friday or a saturday mm-hmm. night and you know prime time for us as far as you know yep. being able to watch a, a, a wwf show like you know even if they only did a, a you know in the tens of thousands of, of buys like it's still free money isn't it for skybox office it's a 0.09 buy rate as yeah. we discovered there you go yeah extra, extra old school for, buy rate numbers <laughs> stick your number of buys up your ass 0.43 or nothing that's what even the, even the live gate though as well because like that, you know, that one in Manchester was a sellout and like it was, I don't, you know, I can't remember what I paid. I don't remember it being cheap, but the fucking 9X or MEN or whatever you want to call it, it's like that's as big as Madison Square Garden, you know. So it's like having an extra garden show or something like that on a on, on, on a live thing that you've got there. So they're making cash there. But I don't think I, other than go to that live show, I don't think I actually bought or watched any oh, of them yeah. pay-per-views. Like, like even I was watching, like obviously at the time, I think I was just like, Nah, shit. <laughs> like like I me, just, mate. I, I, I literally don't think I paid for it to watch a single one. I, I maybe watched, I think the, which, what was it called? What was the Bulldog uh, Michaels Rebellion. one? Rebellion. Oh, no, no one I, it's only 97. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about the one when Bulldog threw the bin at Stephanie's head. Uh, we were shocked that didn't <laughs> about, by the way. Remember Rebellion 99, that was. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that that 97 one was probably it, maybe, and then the, the live show. But, yeah, there were not, like, no memories of them, to be honest. Yeah, it was more like it's more like it's a snapshot in time, and it's people like you know getting to see like a rabid UK crowd, like getting to see Steve Austin, you know, in his palm, which is yeah. you know something I'm jealous of, which I'd uh, I'd ever got to see. And yeah, mm. you know, there's some there are there are moments in that show where, like I was saying to JP, I didn't really remember whether I'd seen it before. You know, Triple H versus Jeff Jarrett was on the show, as Chris points out, so I probably should remember uh, that was a thing. Twenty five years too early, as uh, as Chris said. There's a uh, but there is a mixed tag on there, though, for the same reasons of, as uh, as Liam. I do uh, do fun. 
fondly remember as a as a thirteen year old um, with a uh, Sable and Mark no, uh, Sable and the uh, and Christian, Christian for some reason as a as a tag team partner against Mark Miro and Jackie and was a very uh, yeah very UK I don't know I feel like Vince McMahon saw uh, saw the page three models and uh, decided he uh, he could get away with a bit of nudity on his uh, on his uh, yeah, of course that one <laughs> yeah yeah well we talk about that in uh, in detail I'm surprised he didn't hire Sam Fox. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's mainly built around the, the main me- memory. I think the reason it will, you know, came joint first in the poll with the uh, with Mayhem in Manchester and that eighty nine show was that it was the show with Vinnie Jones on it. That was the big thing. Like the the the, the size of Star he was at that point. Like JP points about Lockstock had only just come out, and like honestly, it was like he was like the British hero, wasn't he? JP, it was like I've never seen yeah. a, a reaction like it for like a celebrity on a Disney Lock- show. Yeah, like I said, it was like, I don't think it could be understated about how big Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels was. Like, at that point, you'd, you'd remember, Gareth, like, it was one of those films that was, like, and at that point in time, I was going to films every week. It was just never out of the charts. Like, it was a film that was constantly in, like, the top ten. There was demand. When it came out on video, it was just, like, straight away, it was being completely bought up. Did you like it? I fucking hated it. The first time I saw it, I thought, oh, this is all guns and geezers, as usual. Over time, I've actually grown to really like it. I think it's actually a good, well-constructed caper film. Like, with a lot of it, like, if you just view it as the cartoon that it is, it's kind of fun, right, kind of like Snatch. But there's, like, there are, like, some genuinely good kind of, like, set-piece bits. I haven't seen it for a while. It's not it's not as bad as, like, Revolver or something like that, which is one of the worst films I've ever had to sit which is just Jason Statham having a monologue going through his head. Like, it's just unfucking watchable but yeah, I didn't think we'd get into the films of Guy Ritchie, but we do talk like, <laughs> quite a bit about like Vinnie Jones here saying about the, the English, we need to mix it up with anyone point out. He was a former Wales captain <laughs> at the Welsh National Anthem. And then they lost to Holland 7-0. They're always like <laughs> constantly bring up, but well, yeah, really it. fun for that. You get a very truncated review of WWF superstars of wrestling on Sky One from the London arena in 89, which if you're a fan of stalling a match with a headlock, then fuck me. This is the card for you because um, between Boris Zukov and Coco Beware and Honky Tonk Man versus King Duggan, that's all you're fucking seeing for a while. And this crowd lose their shit for a drop kick. Fucking lose it. Yeah. They react to fucking like Coco Beware like it's fucking Misawa pinning Jumbo in, 19, <laughs> in fucking 1990 or something. They go mad. Just please, it's over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that was five like, minutes, one headlock spot. Couldn't source that one. It's not on the network. I think JP found a hooky copy of it, but yeah, wouldn't recommend it. So we ended up uh, ended up settling on a uh, on capital uh, carnage. So people can uh, can check that out. I'd I'd say watch the show, but to be honest, just listen to our review. <laughs> you need to see. It. Go by memory, and we'll uh, we'll jog it as we uh, as yeah. we go. There's nothing uh, nothing you need to know. Um, but yeah, we had a, a great time. Obviously, Matty being our do the F historian um, built us in and it helped us out with that. I was going to say before we get into the the meat of the topics uh, on a UK relationship note like it's just did you see that um Errol Helwani list of uh the top we are it is Clash of the Castle week and I know Gareth's uh, very uh, excited for uh for Drew Galloway's big homecoming to uh to his home country of Wales um <laughs> this week but did you see Errol Helwani's list of like the top 10 British wrestlers of all time like, yeah. like what the fuck was I wanted to get your take what the fuck is this list if it when it's so bad even William Regal 
is in the replies going, I don't consider myself top 10 or 20 of my own era. Sorry. Like, that's when you know you got a bad list. Era Hawani, by the way, you can fill me in, JP. Like, I always thought he was like a good journalist. And then as soon as he's come over to the wrestling side, I don't know. He's as bad as like some of the marks uh, we've got on our So he becomes a fan of, he's like a fan of wrestling, right? As opposed to like MMA. Yeah, I know. That's the problem. Like it's completely destroyed, and it's it's sad to see. But like when he was like in UFC, yeah, you know, you say proper journalist. Now he's doing this kind of nonsense. Um, is he, had, he had run-ins. He, he had run-ins with Dana White, didn't he? Because of like yes. his, you know, the confrontational style and things. He was he was telling stuff properly, you know. And we are colleagues at post wrestling, kind of. So you know, I don't want to rip him too, too bad. But like, here's his list: Ariel Hawani's top ten British wrestlers of all time. Number one, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Fair enough. Number two, William Regal. That's a fucking red flag right away. I asked them for Bullshit. the top five Regal matches. Didn't get a reply. Number no three, reply. Dynamite Kid. Number four, Drew McIntyre. Fourth best British wrestler of all time. Number five, Fifth Finley. We're getting controversial now. Like, I mean, I suppose, but, you know, I'm not going to say anything because Steph will kill me and JP might too. Uh, number six, Lord Alfred Hayes. Oh, like, fuck off. <laughs> he wasn't even a good commentator. Has anyone seen a Lord Alfred Hayes match with an honest can anyone give it honestly say they've seen that man wrestle? Like anyone of our age group. Like Mate, no. I'm not even convinced he's British, as I said on that <laughs> thing as well. Like I'm it wouldn't surprise me if he just like I said, he's from fucking Wyoming or something. He's just been putting on a shit British accent all these years. You tell me I'll go, yeah, that sounds about right. But like the key of coal off, isn't it? It's just like it's like nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> he's like getting non- nonsense. He gets more and more desperate. He's like number seven, Page. Number eight, Wade Barrett. <laughs> Wade Barrett. <laughs> number nine, and this is the most insulting part. If you're going to include him, number nine, Nigel McGuinness. Like I'm sure Earl Hawani was like front row at you know the uh, the Rexplex, or he was watching. Uh, he's gone back and he's watched those Brian uh, McGuinness matches. And then number ten, just because it's a name, he's here, Big Daddy. Ariel Hawani's top 10 British <laughs> wrestlers of all time. Fuck him hell. How much watching has he done for that list? A <laughs> <Not> match. <laughs> Lord Alfred Hayes. Like, is there footage of him wrestling? Like, it, we're going back pretty far here, aren't we? I, I just like to think of Ariel Hawani sat there, like, really thoughtfully putting his list there together, just sitting there uh, watching, like, old uh, Big Daddy versus Skull Murphy footage or things like that as well. Just <laughs> nine or ten. Oh, well, no, I didn't, not quite enough. The work rate's not quite there. He's, I think he's in at ten here, you know. We'll just nudge Paige up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's a regal truther. Maybe he did sit there and watch that fucking shite match with uh, with Davey Boy Smith Aye. on that random WCW show and was like, oh, that's the guy. Well. Benno, do you not remember that Velocity match? Come on. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's all, is honourable mentions or even worse? Honourable mentions, Chris Adams, Giant Haystacks, Kendo Nagasaki, Rollerball Rocco, Johnny Sate, Robbie Brookside, spelt wrong, Asian Street, Billy Robinson. He's Google searched World of Sport here. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Mick Mattis, Klondike Kate. Like, you can't tell me that Klondike. man can put Klondike Kate out of a line. Who has fed him these names? <laughs> Horrendous. It's the laziness. It's just like I'm, I'm looking. I'm imagining just looking at the world of sport on Wikipedia article now. Featured such stars of the time as Big yeah. Daddy, Giant Haystacks, Kendo Nagas, in, in the exact Rocco, oh. just in I, mean, I, I mean, you've got to, you've got to be fair though. Like 
Klondike Kate quite clearly deserves an honourable mention over like Will Osprey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pack. Just to throw yeah. that out. I know you wouldn't yeah. even be that mad on that. There are like other Brits. I'm not expecting him to say Kip Sabian or something, am I? I mean, if you Billy Robinson, he did he did MMA stuff like. He's just heard the name, Annie. Like someone's mentioned it to yeah. him in an interview at some point. Liam says he's a human, no way, no bomber, Pat Roach. I am. As you should be, Liam. He's one of Birmingham's finest sons. Is uh, is Pat Roach? <laughs> and he would have got away with it too. He would have. He would have knocked out Indiana Jones if it wasn't for that pesky uh, aeroplane propeller blade, fucking slicing into pieces. <laughs> Oh, well, we'll do we'll do our own uh, top five mm-hmm. uh, British wrestlers uh, list of all time. Obviously, uh, Regal got to uh, get pride of place yes. at, the, uh, at the top. Obviously, you know, we're sure we'll we found where we can flick Cl- Klondike Kate and uh, and gentleman Chris Adams into a. Into I a- like Chris Adams. All right, St- tread carefully. <laughs> I was all over the him and Jeannie Clark versus Lady Blossom and stunning Steve Austin feud. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll stop. And without her, we don't get Stone Cold. Remember. <laughs> very, very yeah. I think it's the weirdest thing. The drink your tea. Life. Why was he drinking tea? Just as a, anyway. But... It's so odd. What tea Austin's... do you think he had? <laughs> PG tips, got it. <laughs> like it's weird that Austin's. Got, I like, love British Yorkshire sauce. tea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did it did a voice. <laughs> Can you imagine oh, like meeting like Austin's daughter or something like that? Oh yeah, my dad's a wrestler. Oh, what's his name? Oh, Steve Austin. Yeah, <laughs> she's just some girl who lives yeah. in the UK. It's weird. But a strange journey. His real name's Williams. Don't confuse him with uh, the other Steve Williams, Doctor Death. <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, different character, but yeah, fucking hell. What a what a list. But yeah, we'll do our own, yeah. uh, do our own one day. But yeah, like I say, uh, Patreon side. Obviously, we had our uh, our flashback review up there. It's going to be a bit a big week for the mm-hmm. Patreon. Got that. We're going to be doing uh, an observe this uh, later this week, mm-hmm. where we're going to be uh, looking at SummerSlam '92 uh, and the, the fallout of that and the the new stories oh, yeah. around the time, which is who big... was on the piss in <laughs> yeah. London? Where's Hawk? It's going to be like, the uh, the main Where's story. Hawk? Yeah. <laughs> Which That's actually comes back in this Patreon in Capital Carnage, we mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> Is it down the boozer with Rocco? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, we'll be covering the, uh, the news stories of uh, of that week as well as uh, obviously bigger. Big weekend preview uh, show coming up uh, this weekend for uh, for obviously the big show of the weekend, Clash of the Castle, and I suppose the uh, the smaller master of uh, of all out. Um, all the shows on is in the GCW are running N one victory final. Oh, was that this weekend as well? Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're going to do an hour on that later. Don't worry. And um, Garrett's back, yeah. so you know it's. Uh, I'm sure Garrett's been keeping up with his uh, with his Noah, um, <laughs> like everyone else. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> well, we have uh, got all that coming. But yeah, before we get to AEW, I know you did. You do you guys both say you watched the was it the Lex Luger uh, in the mm. documentary that uh, that uh, this week as well? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Benno, but um, I know me and Gareth certainly did. Um, there's been a lot. The second series of these A and E documentaries. I remember we saw, we spoke about the Ultimate Warrior one, and that was one of the weird cases. It was better than the Dark Side of the Ring one. But um, I kind of watched this really on Gareth's recommendation, and it was also the fact that I wasn't expecting him to do one about Lex Luger because he's not a figure who they like to talk about in WWE, particularly because of the Miss Elizabeth stuff. So it was a bit like, oh, okay, this is a bit more interesting, and it was as a result. It's like an hour and twenty four minutes or so, but it's. It honestly is it like very well made. They've got like me and Gareth were talking about this, like kind of um 
before recording, and it's very much like they've got the right people on there, haven't they, Gareth? They've got the like right talking heads for pretty much throughout his career, um, and they go through the kind of entire duration of it. Like spoiler alert, I mean the thing is, and I always thought this at the time, this is as interesting as I've ever found Lex Luger because I didn't, I disliked him intensely because he wasn't a likable baby face which is pretty much how I always remember him being presented in WTW. Well, this very much kind of gives you the reasons why, because he wasn't really a likable person. Like there's a whole literal come to Jesus moment that he has like towards the end of it. But it's very much like he's seen as being someone very much out for himself. He's really honest with it as well, which is the thing that I think really benefits it. And it's an interesting career because he's like... He, he, he ends up like at two different colleges when he's playing, when he's first like playing college football, he ends up at Penn state um, where my nephew's at. And then he ends up going to um, Miami. So like you might like, and he's leaving cause he's falling out with the coach in his freshman year, which makes you think mm, you probably were a bit of a dick here, old Larry, Larry Fole. Um, you know, so you, you, you get that kind of story, how he breaks in the reasons why he ends up on guaranteed money at Crockett. There's a story in there, like, you know, the whole thing about his WW like kind of F run, like first, like the WBF and then, the, which they, they don't go into the kind of failings of the WBF or anything else like that, but there's still a novelty value to it. There's plenty of good behind the scenes footage of him on the Lex Express with him like being pissed off. There's a point where he has a go at a fan for mentioning WCW as minor league wrestling and tells him to shut up. And what you're really doing is you're bringing a quite disagreeable arsehole around the country on a nationwide tour, which is going to be problematic because he's a bit of a dick, frankly. But as an overall piece, it is interesting. It mentions like with him going back to WCW and the and, and him winning the title in 97, which feels kind of strange when they did that. But like there was a thing, like if there ever was a time where he had momentum, it would have been in WCW in those first kind of three years up to where he wins the title. And then pretty much after that, it goes into where it all goes downhill. Talks a lot about like the Miss Elizabeth death and, you know, people like blaming him for that as well. And and, and in fairness to him, he kind of takes a lot of the blame around like that as well, or as much as he's, he, he's kind of going to, but he is kind of like, he's being very open in this, which makes him like a kind of interesting interview figure. So it's not like I was going to watch the Ray Mysterio one. And I thought, well, where's the drama in that? What he's small. And I thought we might see some footage of him in Mexico really. But other than that, it's going to be just like a standard and he becomes a big superstar. The end. Whereas this one at least has a kind of downturn of him showing stuff, him wrestling like indies in 2004, where he would have come out and he was like, there's a horrible, like there's a match where he's like, they come off. It's almost like they collide into each other. He just has his arm out for a clothesline, but he's like kind of a bit of a mess and everything else. And then it, it's like, then it's showing him trying to like kind of get his, 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 uh, his life together and him becoming a Christian. And then he has this stroke of where he is now. And it's like, he's almost, you get the impression from this that like, he isn't surrounded, like his kids don't talk to him. Like he's not surrounded by family. So it's not like this really feel good ending to it all, but it's more, which kind of makes it as a dramatic piece, as a piece of television and as a documentary, that bit more interesting than I expect. So I think this is a good recommend for this. I mean, it's A&E, 
you're not get, it's not like the China documentary that we saw that was on Vice that was that was excellent. You're not getting a lot of you're getting some warts and all, but it is going to have a sheen of it. But what it doesn't have is that WWE sheen. So yeah, you get your usual Eric Bischoff, Bruce Pritchard bullshit merchants on there and the rest of it, but it still is interesting enough. Yeah, and I think it is that part of it, isn't it? The fact that it is that there is a genuine kind of story, and in some, it's it's sort of like weird. It is that sort of redemption story, and that as a human being, is actually probably the best he's ever been in his life now as a human, kind of. But then you know the the toll and the journey that the guy's been on to get where it is, and then from being such a dick, you know, in his in his early years through to where he is now and he's basically lost everything even you know lost the very thing that was most important to him like his his body his his muscles and all that you know that was for all his life was central to him and it you know it took him to lose everything to actually come out on the other end like a a, a decent person it's a it's a good um it's it, it's a good watch just to see that journey you know it's, it's like one of the things where you're thinking you know if if you if this was a story that was written you know, for a film or something, you just think, yeah, bollocks kind of thing, you know, that's, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's almost, it's it, the, the fact that it is real and this is what's happened to him, you know, during his life from, from there to there. It's, uh, it's pretty wild, but it, it is, it's just like, it's not one of these where, you know, it's drilling down to the nth degree about everything like that, but just in terms of just like a easy, satisfying watch that covers all the big points that you'd want it to cover, getting good people talking about, you know, Stings on there, flares on there, Bret Hart's on there. You know they've got all the you know the the, the good people, at different touch points. And even there, where you talk about like him at the start of his career, where he was very self-centered and he was like arrogant, and egotistical, and things like. And you've even got Flair going like he was. He was a you know he was he was all about himself. He's an egomaniac, but good because he couldn't have been Lex Luger if he wasn't that yeah. kind of thing. Because he wouldn't have had the body. He wouldn't have had that kind of like element of his character that came you know came across on on on, on tv and things but you know it's um real uh real, real interesting stuff that the weirdest thing is is that fucking bus like i don't oh. know if i've ever thought about this properly but the, the idea that in, they did take him and literally drive around america stuck on this fucking bus away <laughs> from his family for an entire summer in like the heat around america no wonder he was pissed off i was like <laughs> fucking hell like and you know and they don't put the belt on him because he's like starting to kick off a bit and things and like yeah. you know like yeah. Vince once, and you're like, hang about. You've just fucking basically you've put, you know, you've put this bloke on a bloody mega bus for a month. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you got, you should, should be killing people. <laughs> like Bruce Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard goes. I was on the bus with Bruce Pritchard goes. I was on the bus with it. I was on the bus with him for a mega week. Bus for a month. Yeah, it was like yeah, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Pritchard's going. I was on the bus with him for a week, and he says, "Oh," and he was getting to be a bit of a dick at the end of that week, and I was thinking like. Yeah, and the foot you and you got off at the end of that fucking week. Yeah. He was stuck on it for another month or another five or six weeks away from his family. Like, plus he had to be on a bus for a week with Bruce Pritchard. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> that's the title. Yeah, it's a couple of times you've been mega bus. Yeah, no, no, Bruce. I'd sooner, much sooner, be with you than be with my wife and children. <laughs> 
Mega bus for a month. <laughs> Lexus Mega Bus. There you go. That's uh, it's going in as the title. Um, but no, it's like I haven't I haven't seen this, but like I I had like a couple of reviews of it, and I definitely want to check it out because I do think it's mm. a it is just an interesting like story in general, like Luger being like mm. you know he goes into WCW you know slash NWA and he's like plucked from you know real sports and you know given a lot early and doesn't really pay his dues and you know and then he then he gets plucked by Vince and you think he'd be the most Vince McMahon wrestler ever you know mm. and obviously he tries to that's that's the funny thing he tries to strap like an american flag to and make him this patriotic star in like 93 94 like when i mean was there a big war going on or something why like why all of a sudden we need like an american flag waving you know baby face and it just i remember even as a kid i reckon oh they're just trying to they're just trying to replace hulk hogan here they're just trying to do another yeah. hulk hogan it was the it was the most obvious you know thing in the always oh, yeah. body slam as he okay like i never bought it as a kid and then you know because he was and he was the narcissist like three months earlier as well you know he came in as yeah. like this unlikable you know cunt drinking you know gallons of milk or whatever he was doing and those uh, <laughs> vignettes and stuff it was just it, ne- it was never gonna work to me and it was it was always obvious that like you know actual do the fans you know people watching it you know if you're given the choice Luger and Brett and you put them side by side which they did hardcore fans are always going to go with Brett weren't they and not even not yeah. hardcore fans in like the IWC terms just people actually following the product and you know w- mm. wanting you know the, the actual homegrown guy or the guy that we'd all like seen rise up the card over the years make it like he was just put in an impossible position I mean he was doing what Allied Powers like 18 months later, yeah. like the nobody tag team with the with the bulldog before he went back to WCW. It's just unbelievable. Well, I mean, they're talking about that on like the uh, on, on the documentary and the show in there at the end of that SummerSlam match with, with Yokozuna and he's there on the shoulders with the Steiners and you know, there's all the ticker tape and all that and you know, he's won by cow out and he just looks yeah. like a total <laughs> you've totally just cut he's just like You've done all this build up and all, 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 and then you've just cut his legs off completely there because he just looks like the biggest fucking loser in the world there, like celebrating his count out victory on the, the shoulders. Like, if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna go, they, they had to push the button then, really. And they were talking about Vince wanting to drag it out to WrestleMania and things, but fuck, like they just killed him dead, dead in the water there. He didn't even feel like he he had that much of a chance, but the half a chance that he did have, he was fucked from that moment. Yeah. And it's, they mention it as well about the idea that as a baby face, he just never had that kind of charisma. And this is, you know, I mean, Gareth be the case in point. I mean, like he never, he was never the guy you wanted to have win. Like, for example, when Flair goes away and they do him and Wyndham in the cage and there would have been a good amount of that crowd who, uh, that's the crowd that's, and they show them chanting, we want Flair throughout that match and everything else. If they'd given it to Wyndham, there might have been a degree of kind of, I think of a bit more acceptance rather than sort of back to Luger. Because even I knew he was there because of his body. This is why this man is being presented in this way. It was nothing to do with, like, say, Sting, who also had a great body but had charisma and could and actually had kind of more of an interesting moveset. He never got that with Luger. Now, in terms of that 97 run for him winning the title, I think I was probably, even at that point in time, I was just you know, that top of the card WCW was like, well, we, we kind of know what this is. This is still Hogan and friends. This is where it's, except he's Hogan and new friends. I should say, not like fucking Zodiac and all the rest of them. They're, they're not there. And that's, and that, uh, and so him winning it there, it it was all very like kind of, it, it just all very weird, but he, and then it's, you know, so he was never someone I ever warmed to. 
but yeah, still yeah. even even me as like a hog like because i was you know i love sting you know i was bang into the whole nwo stuff in 96 97 luger was always like yeah he's kind of like a generic kind of you know bland white bread baby face wasn't he like it never yeah. he was the big reaction he gets for that hogan win aside like i never really bought him as like yeah, yeah. this tough guy they sign him basically because they look like and they say it themselves which is like one of the strengths of the documentaries a lot of the things that we're saying is actually there's people talking heads who are saying this and they're going well they we signed him to a guaranteed contract because we thought that Vince would want him so we signed him up first so he would be our big muscle bound guy it's just that he never had the kind of charisma I mean in hindsight you would say things like they never went with Ron Simmons for long enough I would always look back on that as a kind of like a a, a another kind of missed opportunity and, and they don't go into much with Simmons and he's there as a talking head because they actually like Simmons says he's the reason he got in and he's the reason why, you know, uh, he became a wrestler. And, and even though they kind of met in terms of football and obviously they have the match of Halloween habit, but then it's only an hour and a half and there's so much to kind of get through, but it, it is more interesting just simply because they don't shy away from as much of the kind of dark stuff. And he doesn't, in in his in his defense he kind of completely like allows himself to be like yeah i was i was i was a dick yeah, yeah and, and, and all that stuff at the end like because obviously after the elizabeth stuff there he's like i think he's arrested something like, i didn't realize it was as much but he's arrested something like 10 times or something isn't he he's yeah. talking about like being banged up in jail and like Battery. you know like literally you know considering you know looking at you know considering suicide and things you know he gets re- he goes really deep and dark on it and then you think like fucking hell it's only three years previously that this guy's or you know four years previously is fucking there you know racking Hulk Hogan for the belt <laughs> you know it almost doesn't feel that the, the length of time between that to that it's just uh it's, it's wild like what, what happens to him but it's funny because you know again that's the more end, or less was, him done then Oh, yeah, those it's couple it's of indie, he's like he's never a guy you have thought. Oh, Vince will bring him back over. He looked finished oh. though when he was the total package near mm-hmm. the end of the BCW 2000, 2001. Like he looked fifteen years older than he did, like you say, two years earlier when he was racking Hogan. Like, it, yeah. like it was like it happened overnight. He became a mo. He got too big and immobile and kind of felt bland. You know, I, I like this from Liam. The, the longer his hair, the better the year of Luger because there he did. He had the short hair near the end. <laughs> Good shout. The, the total package, maybe that's what it is. Long hair, WCW champ, ninety five heel horseman, short hair, USA oh, babyface, narcissist, and then Adidas pop. Era in like the, the WCW, maybe there's something to that. Well, yeah, you felt like a well, being. Yeah, I always, um, I always, um, like again, he was, it, it was one of them baby faces shoved down your throat. WCW, so you'd have like Sting, Steiners, and Luger, and he was always like the, yeah, I like Sting, I like the Steiners, don't like Luger, but that that USA run as well, like he did, he had like his hair was like someone's nans or something, wasn't it? Kind of thing. It was a bit sort of like half grey. He wasn't quite like it was a bit sort of half grey kind of thing at that time. I don't know. He just looks a bit a bit odd. He didn't look like It'd a... Be Arthur. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. You know, like it's... <laughs> definitely, a, again, just didn't look like a baby face you wanted to get behind, which is half the fucking battle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, but no, I want to see, did they go much into the Elizabeth stuff? Like, on what happened there? Because I, yeah. I do think, yeah. like, is it... I mean, it... He gets it's almost like he's this murderer, like he gets top, but it's like mm. you know, Elizabeth was also a grown adult in her forties making her own decisions. Bischoff, like, says. Bischoff says this, yeah, yeah. right? Okay, yeah, which immediately makes you want to take it with a pinch of salt, 
Right, okay. Yeah. You I just don't want to be part of the argument, to be honest. Like. But, well, yeah, exactly. You know, but a broken clock is right twice a day. You, like he says, like they blamed him. Gareth does. I can see it in his face. We're about to talk AEW. You can get all that out then, Gareth. <laughs> but then, but then at the same time, like with the miss that you mentioned, like he's kind of there. They're having an affair throughout. They're both kind of like he, he, they're just like kind of a mess. And that I mean, the Miss Elizabeth story is one that's kind of in and of itself because they did they did a dark side of the ring didn't they about like sort of her and randy savage and, and the rest of it but he does mention it, it plays the phone call there were like issues around kind of domestic violence like where they don't go deep into it but you do see like they bring up kind of police reports where they highlight that that's written down that he did he did hit her as well so there's that element where like he gets the blame or like he opened the door to it for her but then there's that there's that point about where how much responsibility do you, do you take yourself for for kind of taking it? Um, it does seem like he so, struggles yeah, but, with it all, like you know, to his yeah. I don't know if it's to his credit is the way, but like I think he understands the gravity of it, doesn't he? And like he he never tries to justify himself. I don't think he's quite honest and and open about it type of thing. Yeah, yeah, he is. Like considering. And it's, you know, there'll be other celebrity interviews where people would have given much more kind of, like, kind of emotive, like, kind of, you know, about how horrible they would have been as people. In terms of wrestling, he takes as much responsibility as I've seen of anyone talk about this stuff. You'd never get this sort of stuff from a Hogan or really anyone else. They wouldn't be anywhere near taking the amount of... um kind of responsibility that Luger does which is the thing for it and then by the end you just get the impression he lives by himself and he's in a wheelchair he can't really walk he's not like in the best of circumstances you know like looks like a lot of the money he would have made from wrestling has kind of gone like various things and then he says about his kids doesn't talk his kids don't talk to him to this day hopefully they'll be able to do that sooner and realise that he goes he recognised that for 30 years he just thought about himself until this point he does go into the religious stuff. Like, I won't lie. That's, it's not me. Like, trade you know. one addiction for another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they mention it and, you know, I'm just like, that's, that's great. That's exo- exciting. Yes, I have heard this story before and no, you're not convincing me this time. So <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, but like, it, it's, it's the kind of story on there and, and Sting's going on about this as well. Not only makes it's, but it's, brothers in Christ. Which isn't a tag team, although they could have called themselves that really in hindsight. It's interesting, Simon, saying in the chat about like the supposed WWE network, because um, they were supposed to be doing a documentary, weren't they, on Luger? And uh, yeah. it was around I mean, the time that they were doing like the Vladimir exactly. one and things, things, things like that. Like, I was just assuming that this one was probably just, I don't know, if it was supposed to be happening on the network, a lot of probably what got filmed for the network mm. probably got shoved across into. Being, I, I would say this was probably it, wasn't it? Really, kind of thing, yeah. or it was a it was a seventy percent version of it. Probably, I bet it was just the repurposed, probably footage that that already taken. But it's uh, was one of the, while I was watching it, I was thinking about the, mm. the Vladimir one, and I was thinking that ain't that ain't happening as an A and E one, is it? Kind of thing. So, like, hopefully that, hopefully triple, hopefully triple H, uh, hopefully that was a, that was a project of his or something like that. <laughs> yeah. we, might, we might get that one back on the table now. The one from NXT was going to also be back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you, you can have Dakota Kai and you can have a documentary about Vlad the Superfan. <laughs> and Poppy. Cheers, Paul. <laughs> he makes an appearance. It's the first time I've ever, think I've ever heard that bloke talk. 
Vladimir. Yeah, it was pretty much there, all I remember it? is him going oh, like that. That would have been it. <laughs> yeah, as sorry a kid, for was audio talking. listeners. He's just in, just like yelling "woo." You know the man, <laughs> front row of every uh, every show. Yeah, he's uh, a. How did he work? How did he get that money? That's the question. I'm imagining that's why we're not possibly seeing the documentary. It it does sound. <laughs> he could be like Gus Fring for all we know. <laughs> On the slide running the criminal criminal enterprise or something. <laughs> Except if Guffring Gus Fring said, right, every like once, twice a month, I'm gonna be gone. I'm gonna be like gone. You're not gonna know where I am. Yeah. I am pessimistic. Let's follow Hamano. I am pessimistic on the WWE and E documentary because that sounds better than I thought it'd be. Like I do think, mm. you know, to be fair, that their warrior one was better than Dark Side of the Ring. But there is a part yeah. of me that's like, you know, you don't do we do we get in debt in their claws in these documentaries and being involved as producers does sit with me the wrong way. It's like them I think they are involved with like um, Dark Side of the Ring going forward, aren't they? Which doesn't sit right either. You want these things to be, you yeah. know, somewhat independent. But it sounds like, you know, they covered a, a bit of the dark stuff and, and that's I mentioned in the news update in the week, Netflix is still doing their Vince McMahon documentary. They're not didn't changing. That, didn't that That's still going. And I think there's an interesting position now with do they as a company allow like all the skeletons in the closet to come out with Vince? Like in some ways it's it's beneficial because then they can move past and say, look, here we're airing it. It's this man. He was the problem. He's gone. We're a different company now and we've got new fresh faces in charge that kind of stuff. And you see like a stable share price and the rest of it. Let's face it. If you are going to pin all the blame onto one person, it should be him. As I said at the time, we were talking about it. So them carrying on doing that still, it makes me think, would they not, it'd be in their own interest to carry on around this time, mentioning all the stuff that's happened with Vince and the rest of it. Like it'd make for a much better documentary. I just don't think. You can't tell story without it. Uh, you can't. Yeah. Unless, you know, if they want to do the story of, like, kind of wacky granddad retires, like, then that's, it's going to be the kind of thing that's just going to get them bad critical press when the Netflix documentary comes in. Did you see his big birthday night out this week where it was, like, him, John Cena? Like, it was just mates from, it's like, you know, that, like, you've left work now, you don't work there anymore, but he's going out with the mates from work still because he's got no real-life mates. You know, Pat McAfee's, he's on Pat McAfee about three months. You know, he's forced to come out on the uh, the big night out. Like, oh, it looks so bad. He's covering up his face with his his younger, you know, friend um, (laughs) with him. Oh, he looked terrible as well. He sort of made remind me of Ricky Gervais in yeah. um, in the office <laughs> talking about like, well, it's not it's not just Greenwich that I've got the world is my oyster. Um <laughs> you know, it could be it could be looking at Springfield, Providence, Middletown, like, you know, all of the you just go through all these parts of like um Connecticut that the world is his oyster. Hartford you know. <laughs> do you reckon they talk shop do you think they, he's like oh yeah that role was good last week I bet like what did he talk about <laughs> what's he doing he's been playing? watching telly <laughs> what's he not playing golf just watching fucking telly but yeah that's a nightmare dinner party if I uh, if I yeah. ever saw one oh yeah TMZ getting the getting the snaps there but yeah I suppose um, moving on from there we should uh, we should talk um, some some mm-hmm. AEW and uh, and get into a dynamite from this last week in the uh, the final build to all out. Don't know where to uh, 
where to start, to be honest, lads? Do we start with, you know, the big uh, big punk mock stuff? Do we start with a uh, backstage uh, strife, Kingston, Eddie Kingston uh, slapping uh, Sammy Guevara, Thunder Rosa allegedly kicking people a little bit too hard? Apparently that's a big story. FTR not being in the AW game. Uh, <laughs> I think we've got to start. Oh, come on to people kicking each other too hard later on. Don't worry, we've got a bit of that. Oh, it's a uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you, I'm, I'm guessing you're all caught up at this point, Gareth. You've, uh, you know, as you <laughs> as you are on, I suppose you were. You were uh, how have you been doing? You've been a couple of weeks behind at a time. How's your, how's uh, your, be fan of you've been gone? It's um, yeah, I've been probably, I've been continuously running about three weeks behind, kind of thing. So, but then when it was like when it came to this week's show and it was like right it's punk against mox i was like oh, i've got to be totally up to date haven't right. i so i can get up and fucking watch that the next morning and then like got up put it on the app saw the first couple of ratings come in and i was like what like this can't be right <laughs> kind of thing you know when uh, i was you know i was expecting proper monster uh, monster ratings coming in, coming in for for that one but um but it's yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's one of those it's been it's been weird because obviously I've, i haven't been on i've I haven't been on Twitter loads. I've, I've, I've tried to avoid sort of spoilers as much as I could kind of thing while running that time period behind. But then I'd like see, you know, I'd see like a lot of your stuff there where, you know, your, you were saying like, all oh, you know, like excellent first hour of Dynamite the week before and things like that as well. And it's, it's sort of, um, I don't know, it's weird. I think, I think almost watching it in one mega chunk kind of made and knowing that you were behind kind of probably didn't make it stand out as, as, as much to me, like some of this, some of this stuff, but I kind of, it just sort of feels to be a bit of a place really where at the end of the day, I think you've got like a good feels like you've got three or four stories that are of interest and you can kind of get your teeth into. And then with obviously everything going on backstage and stuff, you've got all that side of things. That's, you know, high love and this fucking mega interesting as you know, that's a, that's a side things as well. So it kind of, it does feel in a much better place probably to, you know, before we did that half year review and we were talking about like the previous eight weeks that had gone before that. And it just didn't feel, you know, didn't feel like there was a lot bleeding through it. You know, I do feel like as you, as you're looking into all out there that, you know, there is, you know, three or four interesting storylines run, running into it to, to, to get you interested at least. I have to find out which ones because I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> don't share. No, hundred percent. I mean, I. I, I, I think for me, it's weird with AW at the minute. Like, I'm there are individual episodes of Dynamite I'm really enjoying. There's individual moments I'm really enjoying. I, I'm almost. I don't know. I'm having to with the with the booking and the the week to week storytelling and some of the you know the Tony Khan booking tropes. I'm trying to leave that behind and just kind of go okay. I might not like the you know the way they're building this particular match or the way this person's being used on TV and the pacing and all of that stuff, but you know there's still a promotion who's giving me you know matches like the Six Man on Dynamite this week. There's still a promotion that's like you know is Osprey and um, Omega and the build to them meeting for the first time the ideal you know not for me you know I think the first time they meet should be a big time singles match and should get more build than it's getting. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna that's is that six man gonna kill it on Dynamite next week? Of course it is. I'm trying to get to that position where like I don't know, feels a bit like I did with WWE eventually, where it's like you know you kind of I'm kind of like I don't expect this in these certain ways to be any better. So I'm gonna take it on face value. Whereas with at least with AW, you can be like, okay, maybe we've got these problems with the booking, and you know JP, you've been pretty vocal mm. about some of the booking lately. But can I just enjoy these isolated? 
moments and segments, which is probably going to be a, a big talking point when it comes to a, to Dynamite uh, this week. Got to kind of like, yeah, almost like, I don't know, turn that side of my, my brain off. I don't know where, where you're landing on that, JPEG. Yeah, I, I found myself, again, like most weeks, like, I mean, I think the week before, the announcement right before the main event of the Pox, uh, the Punk Moxley rematch was um, was something that completely like took me by storm. And then he said Poxley there. Okay. Easily done. Sorry. Easily done. Um, but this week I felt like I was just, sort of, I ended up watching the episode again, just as a, as a kind of recap for myself. And I was just like, actually, like in the scheme of things, when we've seen how bad TV, American TV wrestling can get, like you're still rewarded. Like there's, there's, you know, there's a lot going on there. I think you mentioned about like, you know, looking at the all out card, I'm still kind of intrigued, but I mean, like I'm still like kind of intrigued by it. It took a bit more shape this week. There's still people as with every AEW card where you think like there's an unnecessary waste here. We don't need to have this match. That's going to be on the pay-per-view You'd sooner that it built to something a bit more kind of, uh, I don't know something substantial, like in the case of like a Wardlow and FTR. However, I suppose when I was thinking about like the punk Moxley stuff, I was absolutely gripped throughout that for like, cause it was like, you know, you, you would think to yourself, well, how are they going to do this? How are they going to deliver on it? I would like, I still have my issues from like a storyline perspective on it, but I think there was enough to kind of take away from, from like this episode to think actually, they are in a better place than when we did that half year review. I don't think by a, like a lot substantially, like I'll talk about this in a creative way, the backstage stuff, it just feels like that's all, I don't know. It, I like that kind of palace intrigue. I won't lie. And those of us who've, I don't know, worked in offices and everything else, the idea that everyone at work is going to be your friend is fucking childish fantasy stuff. But so it, but it does add a level of interest because it's wrestling and because this stuff tends to play out on TV as well and adds the the kind of drama of it. I suppose where it leaves me overall is it feels like I don't know maybe it's just me, but there's an element of I don't know if Tony Khan with the talent meeting and everything else it it, it just feels like they've had a they've been giving themselves like we mentioned about a slight reboot. It does feel like there has been that and there's been a bit more focus on people from like a jungle boy and whatever like they try to kind of focus on some of the kind of younger talent it's just mjf turns up you get to see it like work shoot territories and all of this you've got all various kind of sources and it's a you know it's a dick swinging contest to who can say this bit of gossip first before everyone else and it's all kind of relatively nonsensical at the end of the day, I can't really kind of get on board for who beats who to whatever scoop that's happening. If, if Thunder Rosa doesn't want to, uh, Thunder Rosa not wanting to drop a tie. I mean, I kind of look at it and I'm just like, it, that bit all felt very, very childish. Whereas at least with Eddie Kingston, Sammy Guevara, they kind of just dealt with it out in the open and it was like dead after a, like kind of a day. And at least they kind of spoke about it. So yeah, I don't know. It was all over the place, but that's the thing with AEW. If you look at this dynamite and I was writing down, bits of it for one episode of dynamite you can come away with seven bullet points on seven completely different topics all of which some of which are backstage and some of which it'll be to do with a really great wrestling match or a really good promo or an angle so it's just like it's it's quite wild to keep up with it's 
It is. I, 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 I mean, I'm not. I haven't turned the corner. I don't. I don't think it's any different than it was when we did that half year review. I still find it an extremely messy product where the optimum path mm. to to certain things they just for whatever reason don't do this part. Like I said earlier, though, there's part of me just accepting this is just the way Tony Khan books wrestling. I'm just gonna kind mm. of accept that and take the the positives with the with the negatives when it comes to that. But I mean, we can get into you know the backstage uh, turmoil and all of that drama and stuff in in a while but let's let's talk the on-screen first let's talk the the big story because you know i I do want to get into you know there's definitely a big positives um from this dynamite you know we talked about punk and moxley jp and how like you know we couldn't really see you gotta start with dax harwood versus jay lethal (laughs) that won't be on my list of positives mate neither will the uh (laughs) the continued use of fucking jay lethal but you know like punk moxley we, we didn't really understand what was going on, what the plan is. I don't think any of us 100% understand what the, the plan is going forward either. Is that necessarily a negative? No. You know, we can enjoy, you know, the un- unpredictability of it all. And, yeah, I think we'll, we'll go to that first because there is a lot to discuss. Obviously, they did. Maybe they listened to our uh, squash matches mixtape uh, and we're like, oh, that's a, that's a good shout. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's do that. Like we talked about with, you know, the evolution of the squash into, you know, something like a, a Cody Brody or a, a Brock Cena, you know, took some balls to uh, to do what they did with uh, with Punk and Moxley. Um, I do think, you know, there's some of the, the, the placement of it, you know, early on the card maybe did start, you know, I was watching this live, maybe a, a little bit uh, suspicious as to, to the being shenanigans. I was kind of looking at it going, okay, they're either, they're either going to be bullshit or they're going an hour and that may, that six-man main event just isn't happening. Um, but obviously it was uh, it was bullshit in the end. But, you know, I've got them, some thoughts on, you know, the what they're going to do next and the, the story that they're telling. But as a moment... You know, as a and as something to kind of experience there live in the moment, like it was. You know, it's memorable. It was shocking. It was, you know, there's there's definitely you know that that element of of the story where it's Punk coming back too soon. You know, after his uh, after his injury and and Moxley, you know, going through him. Like I love that element of the story. I loved how you know Punk sold um that element of the story. You know, with a with a steel and the the way he sold it after the match and into the uh, the footage the uh, the ad on rampage there. But you know, I think that to start with the the, the positive for me, like uh, what your thoughts are on it on it, Gareth. I did you know love the the shock value of it and the fact that it was just a, it's uh, this big unexpected thing, this big kind of left turn as far as uh, what all our expectations uh, were for the match, and in the end, as far as like a, at least an isolated bit of wrestling storytelling, it it made sense. Yeah, Punk's come back too early. Moxley washed right through him, and now we're all going to be watching you know Dynamite uh, this Wednesday, wondering you know where it's going next and what's happening next with the story. Oh, I, I fucking loved it. I, I, it was like one of my favourite bits of. TV probably AEW's ever done. And like again, you know, it was a, to me it just came across as like another example. Obviously, we've we've waxed lyrical about you know the detail and sort of the nuanced elements of some of the stuff Punk's done. Uh, you know, in the since, since he's come back to AEW and the, the the level of thought and things like that that have been in, been put into something. And this just felt like another like great example to me. It just. Like everything about it, just felt like just the perfect bit of business. I was totally engrossed in 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 in, in watching it, and um, like again, it's one of those where you you pumped up for the idea of Punk Moxley having a match kind of thing, and you're like, you, you know, you're thinking, God, this is going to be an absolute banger. This these these two going going at it together, especially sort of like right now, and then for it to just totally just go the other way and be the type of match that it was. But you know, like you say, just 
totally sold around the the injury like you say punk selling of it moxley just came out of it just looking like even more of a fucking badass kind of like as as well he looked he looked fucking great um and you know you were thinking like oh they're giving this match away on tv and what about the pay-per-view and you know how does it how does this like work from here and to, to me they've just put like a, a you know, plot point story, you know, it's a, the element of the story in place there where I want to see that match again even more now. <laughs> you know, it's absolutely got me like chomping at the chomping at the bit for it and to see where it goes, to see where it goes for me, not just the match point of view, but obviously like Punk's character um, side of things as well with, you know, everything that kind of like bleeds into it around, around that, some of the crowd reactions and, th- and things to him as well. It just sort of opens a, lo- opens a lot of doors there for you know, I almost feel like it's you're in a place there where Punk's just got something that he can just really get his teeth into and just really just do do some you know clever, interesting, you know, detailed stuff that's again a bit different and is standing out and just feels like it's a it's a storyline that as a as a fan you can like really get your teeth into as well and you know consequently i can't wait like i've seen things online people moaning about it saying about like the you know not knowing the main event and stuff like that into the you know pay-per-view or you know um you know direct you know elements of the direction things i don't think like that side of thing matters so much i'm literally just hanging on for it to go where's this going next i'm I'm so intrigued i'm so invested in it and they've, they've done that so well and that's that's all i care about if 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 you you can literally kind of like I always say this if you can if you can hook if you can hook me in as a jaded you know forty years wrestling fan kind of thing to be like I can't wait for this week's TV to see where this goes that's all you can bloody hope for and that's you know you know you know that's like the big tick in the box for me is when when wrestling makes you feel like that yeah I'm yeah I'm I'm, I'm with you on I'm with you on that Jen I mean I would say there's part of me is the purist likes the idea of really these two not meeting or even touching until the pay-per-view like they just likes the idea of the big match but for, for me there's almost like similarities to like kind of UFC type builds where somebody comes back a bit too early they talk the big game and they just get knocked the fuck out like they just get knocked out like a Rousey coming back and fighting Nunes and just getting destroyed in like a minute because that should happen you're out for that long and you're against someone who's battle-hardened and is like an established main eventer, that they should win like that. And we have said for a long time, this this idea of what what big matches should be, this idea that they will at least need to be 20 minutes long, that needs to die a death. Because, you know, there were reminders of this or when we saw Brock versus Goldberg and things like that, where you can have five minutes of kind of intense action. But really, you know... They 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 were a bit they're a bit clever about this. I thought that you know they had the established foot injury. You you have got the story about sort of Punk coming back. It definitely is. I'm imagining the way they're going to go is going to be that bit more desperate at the pay per view. So you might see that somewhat more of a heel turn. I think there that and and that in turn makes it kind of interesting. But it was just the fact you don't see world title matches lasting that long. And I think that's what you want. You want an unpredictability unpredictability at its core for it. So it kind of just made for like an intense sort of like 15 minutes, 15 minutes in total. It was less than 15 minutes, I think, from beginning to end, including entrances and exits. You know, at the time, Benno, you just must have been, did you think to yourself like sort of two minutes in, you're just going to squash him here? 
Yeah, I was kind of ready to like settle in and just like you know, just okay, got a got a while to go. It's gonna go long, and then yeah, yeah. you know, it just it kind of came out. It's one of them. It's like it's one of the most memorable. You're right that that 15 minutes, mm. the most memorable 15 minutes of TV. I think AEW will do this year. It was, um, I suppose, it was a moment that I'm gonna remember, and I don't know whether I'm using that word as a positive or an. I am using it overall as a positive. I would say, but I. I I don't know. I think it was a great moment and a great segment and a great angle. I've seen Joe Joseph Monticello, I think, I think gave it five stars um on his uh, on his YouTube channel as like a match. And I don't even necessarily think it think of it as a match, but as like a mm. well produced segment from start to finish that made logical sense. Loved all of that, you know. I was along for the ride. I was reacting to it, you know, in in live t- live time. Poor fucking Ricky Starks after it, trying to get everyone's attention again was, you know, like because all anyone was thinking about was this match and this moment, and you know, wanting to know what was next and wanting to get that Moxley promo afterwards. Like that is the overwhelming positive of this, you know. I was definitely swept up with the moment and um, I'm enjoying it. I would say though to play devil's advocate. <sighs> Is it a good? It's a good moment, and it's a good story as far as a one night thing. But like, do we have the time to tell the story the way the way it should be told? Like, if Punk was came back too early, and that's the story of this match, like, it's gonna be fine in eight days. Like, is that what we're doing? Like, I trust the people involved to navigate that and maybe mm. tell that story well. But I think it's a tough story to tell. Well, that's that, that's kind of where they lose me a little bit and for me as well like to gareth's point like and you know i can't argue you know you're more excited for the match now than you were before i don't think i am i think i would have personally been more more excited for because as we were talking about you know me and jp were talking about it last week you know them going straight to this match on dynamite cost us you know two or three weeks more of but you know moxley and punk promos to build to the big unification match to me the big unification matches a big pay-per-view deal was on its own big enough for me to be excited for. I, I don't think I am more excited to see them go out there and, and do a rematch. I think that was, I, I almost think it's been overthought. I think I enjoyed the moment. I enjoyed the the night. I enjoyed that, that, that 15 minutes. And again, with the caveat of it's CM Punk, it's John Moxley, you know, I'll allow myself to be taken on this ride over the next week or so and see how they get to that end destination. But at the moment, I think my one, one caveat is like I don't know if I necessarily do want to see them more. I think maybe a, a well-built unification match and just going that traditional route to the pay-per-view to me was stronger still. Um, but like I say, I'm, well, I'm, I'm open to seeing the TV and, and which way they go. Uh- I, th- I think for me, it's that thing of like it just being a bit different because what what were, what were we going to get them, you know, contract signing or are we going to have them like having another promo in the ring, you know, like, you mm. know, I'm the real champ, I'm the real champ kind of thing for another two weeks, you know, another fortnight or whatever. Like that that just feels, you know, th- it, it, I think it limits things from a creative standpoint with that i think this is something where they've done something that's a bit out of the out of the box a bit different and like it just it like to me that's where the intrigue comes is the fact that it's it, it hasn't just been this kind of standard linear builds that you'd probably mm. expect it to, to to be into into that uh, big match and then like to what you're saying there about the 
you know, the eight days or whatever, can, can Punk even be ready and things, then to me that bleeds into what JP was saying about like the, you know, the heel turn. If, if Punk isn't ready, then then how is he going to make himself ready? What's he, go- mm. what's he you know, is he going to have to, what's he going to do? How is he going to like, you know, what's his going into the, into the match, whether it's cheating or whether it's you know, whatever kind of thing. There's that whole side of things. Well, well, how does he cope if he got battered by him then like so quickly eight, day, eight days ago? That's a that that that's an element of intrigue for for me from that for, from that point of view, and that feels like the direction they'll go in all out. No, oh, they will have the look. They can't turn him in Chicago. They did they watch Steve Austin at WrestleMania? Do you, yeah, 15? but I do you not think that Punk would look at it, if this is something that you know if they are going to do it and it's something that Punk's fully on board with that that's the real that's the real challenge and test. Do it in Chicago. I don't like you. I don't know, but then. I, I, you know, the traditionalist in me likes the idea. I, I like the idea of a title match like this. I get the reasons why they're doing it because it does pop a bit of a number and you don't give away the match per se. However, what you haven't given away, what you have given away is them two colliding, which is generally why you buy pay-per-views, isn't it? It's to see people collide for that time. Like, I like the idea of people not having constant brawls in the way up to a kind of pay-per-views. You can see those kind of things, you know, because you're paying... That's the premium you pay for is to see those kind of moments um, there. But it's and it didn't do that well. Sorry, just cut in just because that's what we're yeah. talking about. It didn't do that well on TV. Like one point one million to play Gareth for you know for once. Like I, mm. I expect more out of being. It's a small increase. It's a small increase in line with what they're doing at the moment. Uh, it's an increase, but it's a, it, it is a relatively small increase, and in the bigger, wider picture of you know, you're looking on the year on year and things like this. And I, I immediately always come back to Gareth thinking about this as well, about like, you know, where it is going to be compared to this time last year, because obviously last year's all out. We had Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. Punk had been there a couple of weeks. You know, there's there was all of that kind of excitement and how they're going to get that back. It's, it's whether or not are they going to be going absolutely bells and whistles at the the pay per view. It's, it's how do they get things back on track from this Wednesday? That's yeah, really for me the, the, <laughs> yeah. to see how they do that and how they get around it. But the idea of having title matches that can be quick, that can be definitive, and it's not like oh CM Punk's ruined now, is he? He's been absolutely squashed and he can't have anything to do with it. No, like you need to have unpredictability. If it's the idea of them having a long match for the sake of having a long match, because this is what we have, then, you know, they lose their luster, don't they? Those kind of title matches. So I think, you know, doing that, putting it on at like the one hour mark as well was, was really, was, was good. Cause the the idea of that match, I was, you know, expecting it to go half an hour and the fact it doesn't go half and that still leaves plenty of time for a flippy six man at the end. However, the fact they're doing it like this, just, just adds, you know, that little bit of shock value that may well get the I just having that idea that we are unpredictable at at their core. But yeah, they've I don't know. I still don't like the idea of giving away that there's a lot of stuff they've done for like their world title on TV. And at times they haven't given it as much they haven't given anywhere nearly as much thought for the pay per views. Yeah. And I think it's the but then we come to the idea that people buy AEW pay-per-views as an overall package of here's a card involving this group of stars that we like watching, as opposed to main events being themselves the draw. 
think the conversation boils down to whether you agree with Gareth, does it make the match hotter or does it make it cooler? Um, at the minute, bear in mind there's another Dynamite on Wednesday, I mm. feel like it's made, I don't think the match is hotter than it would be with a traditional build. But if you do think it is, then I suppose it's worth that, you know, you get that slight bump mm. on TV on Wednesday and then, you know, you, you do the numbers on, on the pay-per-view regardless. But, you know, I guess it depends on which side of the fence you sit, Gareth. Yeah, absolutely, and that isn't it. It's in the either builds at the end of the day, and it's how many people you know. If you, if they look, if if the ratings this week drop and tank, kind of thing, the pay per view doesn't do well, then proof of the puddings in the eating, isn't it? Really, with the with the with, with the numbers when it when it comes to it, so that, that you know, there's there's almost that metric kind of thing that you can you can apply and see that. I mean, I'm just thinking about obviously what you were saying there about like the the Chicago thing and like. You know they're not going to turn him heel in in Chicago. I'm thinking there, like, well, potentially he's now like the scrappy, he's now the scrappy underdog fighting against the odds in Chicago, kind of thing as well, which will get the Chicago crowd behind him possibly even more, rather than coming in as expecting to win world champion, you know, side. So it, it, it I think. It, there's a few different layers and angles that it sort of throws into the in, in the mix there, and that's for me is the intrigue is how do they do this? Like you know what happens? How do they how, how do they make it work? So he, he, you know he, he, both sides of the coin. I think it's got those uh, got those two uh, two you roots. Think in an ideal world, if we had say three weeks to the pay per view, you could tell that story better, or <laughs> potentially. But again, it depends how this, it depends how they sell it you know it doesn't you know that's a that's a thing it doesn't you know it doesn't surprise me that it's something that aw do and it's like all right we're going to do this and then like it's quick let's let's cram five weeks of tv into two weeks here but what's the best way we can get from a to b um yeah, uh, uh, along the way but if they come out and they do something you know intriguing creative this wednesday then the match itself you know even if it is just right down to that thing of punks going in as like the scrappy, no, I am injured, but I'm going to fucking beat you this time kind of thing and get the Chicago crowd behind, you know, behind him and he's fighting from under, but he's, he will not die almost in that, in that match kind of thing. Then, then that's different and new and it's something that in the moment could be fucking fantastic. Having that, having that crowd behind him as well, as well. So I've got an open, Open door no, to it, really. I'm open-minded. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I, like I say, I'm willing to go along. It's the people involved that may be willing to go along for the ride. It's, yeah. it's you know, how yeah. Punk chooses to tell the story. It's how Moxley, how we get there. Because, like, I, I mean, Simon said in the chat here, you know, Meltzer's been banging on about there's no main event when it's clear. I think it's clear now based on the report we've had, but I don't, like, the night of Dynamite and the morning after, I think there was a lot of discourse of, well, they can't be going back to this match. It, mu- it must be... MJF's coming back, which would make no sense, you know, give him one week worth of the promos to an MJF return for a title match at a pay-per-view, or, you know, there must be somebody else involved in the title pitch, you know, mm. maybe Eddie Kingston's going to get heated up and he's going to get involved or or something, you know, I, I don't think it, you know, I think we've all worked it out now, and now it seems obvious that surely we're doing the match again, and that's based on Meltzer's own reporting, to be honest, outright, saying that, that that's, that's where we're going to, but... I mean, maybe that speaks to the the unpredictability of it that there was like a bit of a bit of doubt of how we get there and yeah, I'm, uh, I don't think there is a an obvious route, JP, that they're, they're gonna go. Like, how do you 
Yeah, you know, I, I know, you know <laughs> AW rankings make no sense at the best of times, but you know, how do you how do you get to even the, the idea that Moxley accepts another match with Punk? You know, that's a that is an intriguing thing. You know, I'm sure you know oh, two yeah. best talkers in the world can can find a way to it on Dynamite. That's on Wednesday, it. But you know, I don't think it's it is that obvious. You know how they're going to get there. I, well, the thing I come back to was a report that was saying about this was suggested. This was like a Moxley suggestion of how they do it, and it's something that they've both gone on, gone along with, which makes you gives you a degree of confidence that they know what they're doing, that they have a plan for the next couple of weeks, and the fact that like it's the fact that Moxley is involved that mm. gives me the kind of faith because I think what he has done in terms of the way that he has rebuilt himself and, and turned himself into like like one of the two like he, he is in that top three of AEW stars and you can vary in like Punk and, and Danielson as being the other kind of big two who'd be in there with it even above Omega like he's put himself there and he's shown himself to be like a kind of a what what you kind of want in your world champion and the rest of it so he deserves that bit of leeway with it I have faith in them doing it even if like you, my natural instincts are that the idea is you don't give this away. You make people pay for it. It's that weight that kind of makes it feel a bit sweeter when you do get those moments. But however, you do need to change up that formula. Like that can't be in, in there as well. And I think there's, there is a part of, there's things about AW pay-per-views where you look at the card and everything else. Oh, they have to have some sort of casino buy-in match. I'm sure someone's going to make a fucking debut on there or whatever. And, you're going to have, you know, like you have to have at least two trios matches these days, at least two, like on a, on an AW pay-per-view. So maybe doing the build for the, for the main is fine. And it's not like CM Punk is hurt. It's not like people are going, well, he's fucked. He's dead. I he's thought filled. that might be the explanation. I, oh, sorry. I think he meant like physically. Yeah. I thought he was, re- that, that on the night, that was part of my thinking. I was like, well, maybe, because that'd be genius if he actually was Good. not ready to come back. And it was like, this is just a way we can use CM Punk for a while. I didn't yeah. rule that out on the night until we had this report Which, that we really are going to a real... A real if rematch. that had been the case, I'd have gone, well, actually, fair play. They've managed to get the title off him without really hurting him. Hmm. It's just the idea that they've just worked out that Moxley saw an opening and went for it because he's a fucking killer. Like, which is absolutely fine as a piece of booking. And we forget that at times. Just, you know, I mentioned here, like, I, you know, I love the lost art of the sprint on there as well. But short title matches, Jesus, we can do these. We can do great matches in under 10 minutes. They don't always have to be fucking half an hour long. And then the other thing is as well, it's like, who's bought the pay-per-view already? No fucker, no probably. Nobody's, yeah, yeah, people aren't buying it till Friday, Saturday anyway, are they? You know, so, uh, so again, you've got, you've got that, you know, you've got that thing of, there is that, that extra episode of Dynamite. It's not like they needed to sell people on the pay-per-view at, at, at that point either. So, you know, there's still time to play with. Yeah. Still time for MJF to turn up, you know, that could uh, be the, uh, no, don't think that's happening. Are we all expecting that? I mean, that does seem like a kind of a likely thing. Did, did you see, uh, Steph put it out tonight, she interviewed uh, Wardlow today, it's doing the round. Oh yeah. He was, uh, he was quite, it seemed like he was being honest, like I saw the video earlier before she put it up, like he's uh, outright said that uh, he felt like the uh, 
the the uh, when he beat MJF uh, double or nothing, it was supposed to be like one of the biggest nights of his life, and he was like, because of all the shit going on with Max, it it really wasn't. Um, yep. He was talking about how yeah, you know, he also I think he said he had some stuff going on in his personal life as well, but he wasn't very positive about like uh, that night. You know, it was quite uh, you know, and he, he also wasn't very positive on his uh, on his booking since. Um, I think he was kind of saying like he doesn't think things have been there uh, been quite right ever since that night. Well, him versus Ryan Nemeth, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> one, one match of the year. Ah, huh? oh, good lord! He could be working, but yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a definitely a, that, a huge element to that. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that isn't working into the pay per view, and hasn't been the case since Wardlow's won the title. But then, yeah, they're the they're the other parts of the card where you look at and go, well, why are they doing this? Why aren't they giving him some sort? of, Even if he's on the fucking pre-show and he just squashes someone, yeah, like at least no, you get the big it? pop. It really isn't hard, and they're just not doing it for a six man. Who wants to see this? I mean, I love. I, I mean, I love the Motor City Machine Guns. Mainly love Shelley. You know, we all know my. Um, I thought. I was oh gonna say, yeah, but, yeah. Like that. That is like it's one of them. It's like you know what I said earlier about maybe I'll just uh, rather than trying to you know second guess you know Tony Khan's logic and booking, I'll just accept the end result. The end result is Motor City Machine Guns and AEW. Cool. However, yeah. <laughs> I can't help myself but wonder out loud: Is there not thirteen better ways to to get the uh, the Motor City Machine Guns yeah. on your pay per view, including just a match with FTR? How about that? <laughs> like, could that not be crazy shit? Isn't it? Yeah, why are they yeah. teaming with Jay Lethal in a random six? Why that? Why are FTR buried in a six man? And you know that's the thing. FTR and and you know and Wardlow. FTR are probably the, the team and the one of the acts in AW with the most momentum in the company. Surely they get a big featured match on, on your big pay per view. And Wardlow should be one of your most you know your, your acts with the most momentum and featured uh, prominently. I, I, as much as I'm happy to see the multi machine guns on a show, I can't make can't make sense of why those lads are in the uh, the Jay Lethal. Uh, so it fe- feels a lot like remember when um, it was going to be uh, Brock Lesnar. Um, Brock Lesnar was going to be a uh, face on what's his name from uh, from for three man band. Um, what was it? The fuck's his name? Um, Jinder, Jinder, yeah, Jinder, yeah, and like they replaced them with a uh, with it uh, with AJ Styles like a week before because they were like, you know what, this will be a bit crap. Let's just do AJ instead. Like that's this is yeah. what this feels like. You know what, Satnam Singh be a bit shit. You know, no one really actually you know wants to see like those those three as a as a six man team. Let's just throw the most of his shitty machine guns in, and it's been like a a late 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 minute uh, decision. It's just wild when when it was like. Like, again, you want to see them in there because some of the potential matches are great, but then you're like, who the fuck's going to boo the Motor City Machine Guns? Like, yeah, they're turning up alongside Jay, Jay Lethal. I'm just like, what? Like, people are going to be delighted to see them. Like, they're gonna, it's totally going to yeah. fuck up the dynamic of the match. And as as good as, as hard as they will work to be heelish, probably, then, like... You know, the, the crowd's still not, the crowd's still still not going to go with it uh, particularly, and like you know, them, they'll them have Sanjay and Satnam doing the heel stuff, and yeah. they'll do they'll be at the end, they'll end up shaking hands with FTR or whatever, and they'll be having one of these. And, and we've got Jay Lethal and so, we've got Jay Lethal and Sanjay against the Motor City Machine Guns on Rampage for a month. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
I just think, you know, you've only got one chance to make a debut, you know, make a first impression. But and I've thought that about a lot of people. <laughs> Sony Card has, uh, has brought in. And speaking of which, I think the other um, big uh, big notable that uh, happened on uh, on Dynamite was uh, was the uh, the Will Ospreay and, uh, and Kenny o- o- Omega stuff. Um, obviously, the uh, main event uh, of uh, of Death Triangle against uh, Ospreay and uh, on Aussie Open. Um, some uh, it was one of some great moments in this one, as far as like yeah, just seeing you know Phoenix and Osprey go out at it again, Pac and uh, and Osprey uh, go out at it again. You know, lots of uh, lots of enjoying the match itself, but yeah, all all uh, roads it seems to be uh, leading to to Osprey and uh, Omega finally meeting, but. Mm. In a trios match <laughs> on Dynamite next week, and like I said, they in a trios match that's going to be very, very good. But yeah, so I know they obviously closed the show with a uh, with Osprey and uh, an Omega kind of uh, going uh, back and forth. Uh, fortunately, talked over by the uh, announcers trying to sell four hundred different things for Rampage and uh, and Dynamite next week. But you know, uh, obviously leading in, bleed, bleeding into and uh, and leading into the uh, Osprey and uh, Omega stuff off uh, off Twitter the uh, the last few weeks. Uh, the match is going to be a banger, but yeah, a little bit. Don't know, JP, you've been Mister uh, Omega should be uh, should be a singles guy. Um, yeah, what do you think about uh, this being the route to getting uh, Omega and Osprey family? I, I mean, I was wondering where it was going to happen. So you either go, well, this is either happening a revolution. Which kind of makes sense if you're wanting to have Kenny to have that big sort of singles match and hold off then because you, it has to be on a pay-per-view. Don't be doing this shit on TV because I don't know, like even as spectacular as, as spectacular as it would be, I'm not certain that like you have to do this kind of stuff on a pay-per-view. It's whether or not New Japan would want the match first to have it at the Dome. Would Kenny want to work there? Would he be stroppy about whatever um, the coat or Bushi stuff? You don't really know what the the dynamics is. Where it happens, it's happening. It's whether or not we're going to get it sooner this year, which would I would suggest would be revolution. But then, if they're only doing one night at the dome, and we've got Jay White Okada, you want Osprey to have a big match. You want to bump up the New Japan World International subscriptions. Getting Kenny Omega in is the way to do it. If you've got that kind of relationship, they've already had Forbidden Door in the US and do like a good substantial buy rate as well with a great house. You kind of need to return the favour a bit, don't you? So like it's the kind of thing that you would you should really be putting on in kind of New Japan. And and they would they'd put on something absolutely berserk. Rather like this trip trip uh, rather than like this trios match this week, which I just thought well, this is a match made in Wolverhampton. Like there's so much of this that you you saw uh, uh, in Wolverhampton. It was like Aussie Open, check. Lucha Brothers, check. Oh, Pack, yeah. I remember one outside for a cheeky, and he was out there doing kind of sit ups there. We looked at each other. I was wearing my Rick Rude t-shirt. I just sort of nodded my head and carried on smoking as I walked down the road um, (laughs) while he did that. Um, And Osprey, because we saw Osprey Phoenix there, which was mental, and like. You know, and you look at the ratings pattern for this. This wasn't a match that kind of dropped the rating either. It like kind of succeeded for what it was because it was so absolutely batshit. It dropped and a little bit, didn't it? It, it dropped a little bit. But, but we've seen those drop, like go below kind of like near to 800, 850. Was it, did it finish at 9.7 or something by the end? I don't know. I, I, I know I've seen that this isn't you, but I've heard this talking point like that that just happens. I mean, it happens because, you know, dude, we started tanking the third hour of Raw, but like... It used to be that your main event at the end of the show was was the peak, no? Mm. Am I just being old about that? I well, This wasn't built to it. You can imagine people watching the Moxley stuff and then 
not long after that, maybe just like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that was the switching off of the, of the night. show. Yeah, obviously, but, yeah. You know, it's place. You could see. However, you look at the reaction to this. I mean, like, you know, the, the Osprey as well looked like he was going all out. Pardon the pun to just sort of like go completely batshit. Where do they do him and Pack? That was the other match I was thinking from this as well. I was like, where do they do that? Like, because in some ways. If you do, wherever you do him and Omega, you should almost do him and Pack on the other one. So if you've got a chance, bring him in a revolution and have a match with Pack. Even though Andy Q would love to be the one who actually has that match because that would that would do great fucking business. Like if you did that Royal Quest, like that would be a kind of a, a, definitely a, a kind of interesting kind of match um, to have in there as well. But like he knew the stuff he had to deliver on TV, and this crowd was going fucking batshit throughout the entire match. I thought it was great. Like, in, in I don't know, what, what did you give it ratings-wise? Um, For me, I, th- I think, like, the spot, there were spots of the match a little more than, like, the sum of the match mm. as a whole. It was one of those kind of matches. I have 4.25. I'd be lower. I'd go 4. Um, I still very no, much I enjoyed it. Um, mm. Mm. It was just a very good trios match, you know, to, to, to main event to show. Um, Yeah, what, what did you think of the match, Gareth, and what do you think of the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the build in, in general to do an uh, Omega and uh, an Osprey? I mean, I, I always use the example, and I think it works both ways. This example, it's like, I mean, obviously this is Hogan Rock, but it's like when they had Hogan Rock and, like, the Raw before the go-home to WrestleMania. Rock and was it Rock and Austin against Hogan National Hall was the uh, the main event of Raw the first time Rock and Hogan went back and forth was in a fucking throwaway Raw tag and you know that to me makes no sense however did it hurt Rock and Rock and Hogan as a, as a match does anyone really talk about it or do we just talk about yeah. how fucking big Rock and Hogan was you know there is do you not you know, remember mate they were bored they were yawning when yeah. they were matching up with that WrestleMania <laughs> team. It's still unbelievable he gave that away on Raw. And there's still, again, it's that old school mentality of, well, the first time these two touch in a big, you know, at least this version of, you know, Okada and, and Omega or in AEW or in 2022 yeah. touch, I would rather be in a singles match, but it seems like they're going that other route, aren't they? There's going to be the mm. six man. And then presumably, whether it be New Japan or AEW, we get the singles match down the line. But you can again, also have... Sorry, I was just say very, very quickly, you could have that as the storyline though. But the time they touch this time round, Kenny isn't ready. He's still building back. He has to lose whether or not it's the shoulder brace or whatever this week. And, you know, he's going to lose like a, a piece of that clothing like he's a fucking kid in Nightmare or something like that, <laughs> having his face peeled away. That helmet because he hasn't put an apple in his bag. It, it, <laughs> it's, it, it's that tight, you know, that we'll, we'll get enough of it, I think, this week with that. But we'll have the kind of um, we'll have our ta- have our taste kind of wetted if that's the right phrase. I was might just be thinking that dog's having a shit ton of fucking water here beside me. <laughs> no, I was I was literally just going to say the same. You I think want a I big think slash this after we've recorded. <laughs> this is very much the wetting the appetite for me. It's that it's that you know. It's it's just seeing them do a small something that's get that gets you thinking. I want to see them one on one here because there's mm-hmm. going to be distractions and interruptions with things happening in the match and and, and, mm-hmm. and things that, that at the end of the day they might only be in the ring at the same time for a, a short spell and things. I think it's more just kind of like showcasing the idea of this match happening, like to the um, to the uh, wider like wider audience. Like to to me, it's it's fine. I think it's one of those that um, again you. you 
you can't just have Kenny come right in at the top though either, can you? You know, it's um <laughs> sorry. sorry. For uh, all of you this JV's son's doing a run in. <laughs> he has done a run in. So it's a bad look, isn't it, for me in particular? <laughs> if you I don't know he's allowed, lost it's fine. He so is. He's all right. I think. Yeah. I think that. I think this and the trios thing, though, it just like again, it's it's something for it's something for Kenny to be to be doing. It parks him at the side here to be coming back and coming back in this this way, and then like having that kind of like carrot of the the Osprey match a bit further down the line. Like I'm probably of the similar mindset to JP to some degree that you know it was so one sided that AW. New Japan relationship that mm. New Japan do need to be thrown a bone a bit kind of thing and then throwing them and make it back the other way does feel like something actually where New Japan's been struggling and they if they do want to put some like bums and seats in the dome or if there is like another show or something like that this feels like you know get those western subscriptions and things it feels like the the absolute obvious thing however given how the feed into Forbidden Door was booked it sort of doesn't makes sense to me that new, that AEW would actually be this forward thinking in terms of putting the storyline in place this far ahead and um you know and and not executing it themselves on like one of their own pay-per-views or or, or something like that further down the line you kind of almost feel like it'd be something that they'd shoehorn in last minute a week before the show or something if they were like planning planning something for a uh, for new japan or for, or for another forbidden door but at the end of the day it's like it's one of those where you've had this run of these trios matches. There's been some, you know, this was a match, say, I give it four stars. Again, it's another really, really exciting match. I think they've embedded, they've managed to embed Osprey reasonably well through matches alone with the, you know, US TV audience. I think Aussie Open, obviously getting that element of exposure there as well. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, can you, can you imagine what the fucking, what they're going to go out and do in this match? You know, the mega in the books against... Um, Aussie Open and, and Will Ospreay they're going to be going fucking all out as well this is going to be another four star plus match for about the fourth week in a row on, on, on AEW TV as well so again I think there's um, it, it just feels while a lot of it's maybe not necessarily to my style or taste it does just feel like another positive that just sets things apart on it if I could add if you've had a talent meeting in the afternoon where you've spoken about your chief legal officer speaking to WWE about contract tampering. Maybe don't have your commentator go out and say, should sign him, should sign him now. <laughs> like that way, on fucking telly, in front of a million people. He doesn't know where he is at this point, JR, does he? think he's uh, doing his podcast? I was asking questions at this point as well. Tremendous. He starts pulling voices as well. He's gone like... It, it's like the it's like the spirit of Chris Morris, the newsreader from today the day today has just sort of invaded JR at points. Because he'll start doing things like you know what I mean? He'll start doing a squeaky voice. Yeah. He's having like some hypothetical argument. It's just like, like you say it's on the Patreon show that people will hear this week when they talk about you get stroppy about not holding the tag rope. It's like, mate, where what what did you say about the Marlena fucking miscarriage angle then? Yeah, I heard you, you can enthusiastically commentate. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's fine. That's well. That's what Hackenschmidt and Gotch famously did. That didn't they? Where you know Gotch's wife faked a miscarriage, and then Hackenschmidt did a roll up of the fucking tights. No, <laughs> that never fucking happened either. So the sanctity of professional wrestling can kind of stick it up at his arse. Like, when they fucked him off to the second hour, like how is he? Like he's just all over the shows oh, again. Now we get two hours fucking, on. The he's side. all over all of them. 
and an hour on Rampage. Yeah. There's, there's a moment on Rampage when we get to that in a minute where, like, uh, QT Marshall uses his watch as a weapon. So all the rest of the comments they go, oh my god, the watch! And then Jim Ross, it's like he's not looking at the screen. He's like, oh, and his shirt's ugly too. It's like, we're not talking about whether his watch is nice. <laughs> we're talking about, like, him using it as... He just... He's not there. Like, he's just... He can't keep up with it. And, yeah, it's like his... How much he tests this company is not... He's not even hiding it at this point. It's fucking embarrassing. It's when it's when he's ta- when he's talking about things like about like Dax Howard, the way he takes the buckle and things yeah. like you know, he t- <laughs> you know, you're like hang about, like you know, no, and then you've got like Excalibur frantically covering for him, yeah. like at all turns. You're just like fuck, like <laughs> Jesus. Oh, the, the last thing I was going to say on um, Osprey Omega is like the, the one positive, I suppose, is to doing the build this way is like, yeah, you know, you can sell it on the quality of the matches, and we don't have to have these two cutting promos at each other. Can you imagine how bad that'll be? Like, just leave it to Twitter, lads. Like, I don't need yes. like uh, doing work shoot nonsense. You know, the two of the two of the worst talkers in wrestling. Like, just no. Like, let's <laughs> let's let's keep it uh, keep it this way. Um, and I, I, unless they bring big, unless they bring big Kevin with his big fat wallet. <laughs> oh yeah, that was on. Uh, <laughs> so apparently, uh, th- th- you've got to choose. Merch sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how much merch have you sold, kid? Uh, you know, no. doesn't matter about star ratings, Gareth. It's about uh, it's about money at the end of the day. That's what we always say. Over that's here what, on the That's podcast. why I'm launching. That's why I'm launching Cashel next week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I say I'm, I'm excited for you know the possibilities of that match on Dynamite. You know, it's got a five star ceiling, hasn't it? You know, as far as a as a match goes, yeah. and you know, we'll, we'll see where we go. I I think with Osprey, I I would like to see him more, you know, established as something important. You know, on Dynamite, I think this will do it. Like I say, you know, he's been in a lot of multi bands. You know, Orange Cassidy to me wasn't the ideal. You know, top level. You know equivalent to Osprey opponent for him on the uh, on the New Japan show. This is more like, yes, you know, let's let's push the fact mm-hmm. that he's, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the world and he's gonna be going against another one of the best wrestlers of the world. He's not just another face in the crowd like a, a lot of people are on these uh, on these dynamite shows. Like Ozzy Opener, you know, they are they are an act that like they're just bodies, aren't they? But you know, they're they're delivering as as great matches. So, you know, it works at the uh, the end of the day. But yeah, I'd like to see uh, more uh, more focus on that and hopefully the match is coming. You know, it would be very AEW for like you know we actually never get to see us for you know an Omega no. in a singles match at any point. Um, hopefully it's at least coming soon. You know sometime before Wrestle Kingdom I'll uh, I'll take that. Uh, Simon says here yeah that promo will cut after the show was was rough that bonus material with him and Omega going back on. Oh yeah, just don't give either of them the mic. I think that's the uh, that's the way forward. Um, but yeah, I suppose that was the other uh, big news story uh, coming out the show. Uh, anything else from uh, from Dynamite you guys uh, want to cover? Anything else uh, stand out? I suppose Jericho and Garcia was the other uh, big thing to open. Yeah. What have you made of uh, Garcia's ride, uh, Gareth, and uh, and the story they're telling with him as uh, as far as wanting to be a, a wrestler and uh, you know and being a as a his hero Brian Danielson using uh, you know what we all kind of expected would be the uh, the end result of uh, of him being in a, a sports entertainer and in the in the Jericho group. Um, definitely teasing at least the idea of him uh, rejoining uh, or joining up with. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, again, I think this is one of the things where the last few weeks it's probably been one of the <coughs> more enjoyable elements on the show. I thought this was delivered quite well, really. I think they've, they, um, with um, your uh, dislike for the Kangol hat aside, I think <laughs> what they've done with Garcia here has actually brought him out like uh, a, yeah. a lot more. He definitely, like, again, they, they've elevated him as 
a person on the show. They've probably given him a bit more character, a bit more personality. He sort of feels like he's come out of his shell a bit more. Yeah, I think the way that I think the way this was done the other 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 night on on, on Dynamite, I just thought it was it, it, it worked really well. I think he, he sort of you know the the conflicted element and things again it's that's something that it's like bleeding into that element of intrigue that sits around the match that's going to happen between you know Jericho and Danielson and yeah. um I, th- I think the way that this the the interaction between all three of these building into this this match and things it's it's worked i think if you'd have said to me 6 weeks ago do you want to watch Danielson against Jericho at a pay-per-view i'd have probably said no whereas actually i'm thinking Again, I'm in quite intrigued by this. I'm sure, like Jericho, is going to have his best working boots on as he can go mm. with at this point as well. Being in there with you know Danielson, it's a challenge for him and things. It's something that he's going to be right up for. You know that they're going to work. You know, being the fucking pros that they are, they're going to work something out that's good and well thought out and clever. And then the way that they you know bring Garcia into the the mix as well. Again, it's just that that extra sort of notch of you know, elevating him and getting him in there, mixing with like, you know, some of the best, best people on the roster and things. So mm. this is, this is absolutely one of the, um, one of the things that's, that's, that's worked, worked well for, for me along the way. And again, leaves you intrigued to see where it goes. There's still a part of me that I would say, can you be using Brian Danielson in a better way in a kind of like kind of further up the card, if you see what I mean. But after this, kind of promo segment I was kind of fine with this being a match on the show even if I do because I think the thing that's, that's really added to Dan, um, to Garcia is, is from a few weeks ago is before the Ring of Honor pay-per-view and it was like the sit-down that involved Wheeler Utah and it was bringing up of Chris Jericho paying the paying for um, his medical helping pay for his medical bills as part of that um, the the kind of GoFundMe for when he'd yeah. um, when he had the car accident, that added something different because then what you're doing is within the context of their relationship, it feels like Garcia owes him. Like this guy helped him at his worst time, so like he's kind of duty bound to kind of be with him. So then you kind of create that kind of conflict there. What I'm expecting is Garcia to help Jericho win. Weirdly, like that's kind of the way I'm going. I'm not expecting some sort of like it feels almost like it's too soon. It is too soon to start talking about breaking up another Jericho stable. Like I, I think it is. I think you, you have got more with this Jericho appreciation society as bad as it is to have that brand, Brian Danielson lose on a pay-per-view, which is a like, you know, would seem kind of daft, but for the story long-term for Garcia, that would work better for him. Like, I don't think you want to go the kind of full baby face route with him yet. You want to have people kind of really kind of pine for it and him feel like he owes Jericho. So he'll cost him the match with Danielson and and everything else. And that might be the way they go, but it's still, it's still interesting. Like the way, the way they built it. And I, I, I liked it as an opening segment. I think that ROH weekend you rightly point out was yeah. like a big turning point for at least for me personally with the Garcia character, yeah. you know, flashing that out and explaining why he was so loyal to Jericho and giving it more layers. Like I feel feel like there's there's a lot more layers to it now than just, you know, Daniel Garcia wears a goofy hat and pretends he's a sports entertainer, you know, against type of everything else he stands for. They've built that conflict into the story now. And that conflict is is selling it. And I'm at a point now where I never thought I'd say this, but I don't want him to join the Blackpool Combat Club because mm. as cool as it is that you can get Regal and the lads doing like a you know a madness album cover pose and you know they're all hanging around and looking tough together like this fun little collection of wrestlers. 
is there really money in them as a group as opposed to them actually wrestling each other like me and you were saying last week JP do I, you know, I want to see Garcia wrestle Brian I want to see Garcia wrestle Cesaro wrestle Moxley I don't want to see him you know just be another wheeler Utah, you know in the crowd there mm. so as much as like that would be like a satisfying end for this story from Tatan on Jericho. And maybe there's ways you can do that and still keep him on the outside as his, as his own thing. Maybe that's the uh, the optimum way out of this. I think that's it, where he'll end up. Yeah. Is rejecting both. Maybe, maybe. I'd rather that than like I don't I don't really see there's much mileage is there if he's just part of the Blackpool Combat Club and he's another face. He's almost bigger than that now, isn't he? He's shown that he'd be the, ranking the for fourth in that group. Yeah, he'd just be another baby face, wouldn't he? Whereas, like, yeah. as a heel, as that, mm. that heel he was on that big ROH weekend, like, and the, all the personality that's come out, like, I'd rather him be that now. That's his, that's his mm. spot on the card, isn't it? So I, I'd hope that's the way the story's going. Yeah, he's number two <laughs> in Jericho Appreciation Society. If he was there, you'd almost be saying, oh, put him in Utah in a tag team, just so you use both of them in a slightly different way. And that's... that's wrestle each other, don't you? Good. Yeah. No, you don't. You want to see that be a long rivalry that lasts for ages. Sorry, Gareth. Yeah, and like, and and that's where you think, like, okay, well, there's legs in that of like, I'm my own man, you know. And he's just like, he he can be a baby face where he's just like, I don't need you, I don't, you know, I, I don't need you. I'm inspired by you, Danielson, but like, I'm just going off and do my own thing, you know. I think, and this is part of the intrigue for me. Obviously, you've got the he sticks with Jericho and the heel turn side so that 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 side of it the um with with Danielson. I loved WH's idea last week. I think it was on Spotlight WH said about Danielson then disassociating himself from Blackpool Combat Club some degree and almost having like Garcia under his wing and them two just like tagging up and things and it's just been like them two as a as a two. I, I loved that idea. And again this where you've got this this thing of well Giving somebody somebody interesting to do where they're not in the world title mix, actually, that felt like something that that could there could be a lot of marriage in that, and that could that could work quite um, quite well as well. But yeah, I, d- I definitely don't want to just see Garcia just land in Blackpool Combat Club and just add another you know person to person to the to the mix there. Well, I mean, you said there, I bet you said there. I was not, I was nodding along last week when I, I was listening to to the show, and you were just talking about wanting them, to, wanting to see them fight each other. And you'd have thought Blackpool Combat Club would be stepping up to fight each other, even if that's the competitive spirit. You know, I, I want Danielson to be coming out of this beating Jericho and then going after Mox or whatever. Or you, you know, the, likewise, likewise, I think you said. Wheeler and Claudio as well, like you know, again over over that belt and things. I think there's there's a lot of possibilities there on that side of things that they they really need to to channel a bit more, as opposed to just adding, you know, another person to the group and what the hell do we do with them now, sort of thing. Maybe we uh, will but, Maybe that's the way out. You know, he'll be the uh, you know like uh, who sold out to the million dollar man. It'll turn out to really <laughs> use it all along. <laughs> <laughs> It's well again. It's it's not a bad shout that you know throwing that into never even could never even cross my could never cross my mind. But again, yeah, it could you could have something something worked in like that. I think yeah, as you were talking about the idea of them two being career rivals to then suddenly be flip you know do that sort of double double turn almost there sort of thing. 
it's not a bad, not a bad creative route as well. There's, you know, again, it's this is this is what I like. I like the idea that something's not obvious and there's a few different angles and gets you yep. thinking. And you know that this is this is this is all I want from wrestling. I don't. It's it's when you just you've got that kind of cookie cutter formula where you just absolutely know what's coming next. That's when it's that's when it's the worst. And I think there's a a couple of things up and down the card here, um, or storylines feeding into what's happening up and down the card that. Does just leave it open, leaves you thinking about it, about the possibilities. It's fucking great, that. I think the, the only negative to this is that, you know, Jared, as much as like, you know, AW seems like it's a bit of a mess as far as who gets TV time and who's booked well, you know, Jericho is one person who makes sure he gets time, you know, he makes sure his stories get time. And, you know, the people who get stuck in the Jericho verse, they give you positives and negatives to that. Just ask uh, Pro- uh, Santana and Ortiz. I'm sure you get different, <laughs> different views on that. But I think one negative I would say is like, I really hope Eddie Kingston's going to be doing something interesting coming up. I know there's been the whole suspension nonsense, but like, you know, to get to this point, unfortunately, Jericho had to beat Kingston to end that feud, and you know, Kingston and Sammy Guevara and that you know that real life fight stuff might have just you know meant that match isn't happening anymore. But that's so beneath Kingston. Like Kingston's one I want to see step up. I want to see the mileage and the worth in him. He could be a mockly opponent. He could be. He could have been wrestling Brian on this pay per view. He should. You know, I really hope he isn't getting lost in the shuffle. You know, amongst all of this yet again, and that that suspension does. Either, but um, outside of that, yeah. Any other thoughts on uh, on Dynamite this week? Uh, anything else uh, stand out for you guys? JP got a big breakdown of Billy and Colton gone. Uh, Billy can't even put his his own son over uh, clean. No, <laughs> he couldn't. Billy Gunn, by the way, he was on Capital Carnage, nineteen ninety eight, uh, <laughs> looking basically the same, just a bit less muscular. Uh, yeah, he's just less muscular in this, isn't he? He's got fucking Lex Luger just to tie it around background to the start as well. Um, the other stuff I had on here, I mean, I'm sure you've just already talked about Thunder Rosa, I'm assuming. And the, no, we haven't mentioned it, no. I mean, you get you get into your backstage kind of palace intrigue stuff with this. I mean... I don't think it doesn't find very, that interesting at all. I thought that article I was fucking shit. don't... Was garbage, I, gossip. Like, I don't care. Like, that's it. Go to my workplace and survey the right. office on what they think of Paul, who does fucking operations, and you've got four people who like him and four people who don't like him and four people who think he hits the keyboard too hard. Like, who fucking cares? Like, that that it felt is. like a hit piece to me. Like, you can you can present yeah. it as both sides, but the fact that the article was written in the first place tells you exactly what the author of that article thinks of Thunder Rosa. Like, I, I you could write that article about Punk, you could write that article about Kingston. Like, why is Thunder Rosa this hot button issue? I just, I don't know. It feels like people getting involved in wrestler drama to me. I just don't care. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. I think that's part of the bigger thing. It's like the Emmy, it's like the Eddie Sammy stuff. God, I'm really going all over the place just getting stuff, saying it wrong first time, if I can do, like merging names together. Emmy is what There are I multiple polls in my office, by the way, just as, as defense there. You don't know who I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Anyhow. <laughs> Not Paul in IT, they don't want to fuck him off, mate. Vicious monster of a man. Key bashing Um, Paul. Um, But it is, it it is one of these uh, like kind of situations backstage, like with, with that stuff where people aren't going to get on. Like it's a simple, if you, if you think to any workplace, if you're expecting everyone to get on, I mean, that's when we get into the kind of, you know, the realms of people making kind of value judgments on who people are without having a single clue about who they are, or the reasons why they have things or why these disputes come about and, and the rest of it. If the women's division meant anything at the moment, then perhaps I'd give more of a shit, but it doesn't. 
and it feels like it's been kind of dead for a bit now. For me, the women's division is like Jade Cargill, and she's not really up to much or anything of interest, really. At she's the, the star, and I she's think the actual I, champion. She's she's the star, yeah, and she is like the champion. But this this reign kind of it makes you kind of pine for the days of Hikaru Shida's reign. Frankly, it was like compared to the Britt Baker one, and compared to to the Thunder Rosa one, it's it's kind of felt. Sort of largely forgettable isn't it but it's the way that it was just a backstage like kind of promo it, it, you know yeah. it, that is the yeah, interesting oh. part of the story that's where i'll mm. i will agree you know the fact that if if it is true that like or there's something to the idea that maybe she's not as injured as she's letting on and she just mm. simply doesn't want to lose that part's interesting definitely you know if that's the case yeah. and that might explain why it was a backstage segment it might also be explained by the fact you know people are using this as a one-to-one being like well punk got 15 minutes on rampage yeah that's because he's cm punk Sorry. Yes. <laughs> this is Thunder Rosa. He's CM Punk. Who <laughs> can't cut yeah. a promo to save a life either. So, like, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, anyway, sorry. Carry on. Their highest ratings. Well, like, you look at that rampage, that mad rampage. That, that, you know, Thunder Rosa's return to wrestling doesn't do that. It's it, like you say, it's CM Punk. It's to do with star power and everything else. But it's happening in the midst of a cold division as well, which doesn't really have focus. This is why I, it's almost like that division for me hangs its hat, hangs its hat on what this all elite women will uh, whether it be it should be a show that's given like maybe gives time and focus but at the minute it just feels kind of dead. I thought it was interesting with the Britt Baker comment about her saying I de- defended the championship with a broken wrist and and everything else. But the problem is is that we've got this and this is like the, this is where you talk about Tony Khan's issues on this. You've got this going on here with all the CM Punk stuff going on in the main event that's just kind of slightly preceded it. So it completely, it doesn't even think like the idea of the title going to um, having, having to have an interim championship and everything else that's been done already like over the last couple of months. And then it kind of goes back to that. I don't expect that, that four way, I could just almost see it kind of not not dying a complete death in front of because it depends on where it's placed in the card, but being one of the things that generates the least interest on the show because the division itself hasn't been particularly well booked. That is like the I mean I enjoy the, the elements of like you know the, the story and the the Cabana stuff, yeah. and, you know the Breaker Thunder Rosa stuff. You know you can you can build that into your stories and you and you can make something interesting out of it but like i don't know it just it just feels like i i feel like the offer like ever since they had that talent meeting like they're all getting worse they're all getting more bitchy on social media like even bobby fish yeah. like i would cm punk for the, the like the the quality of the kick that he did in the in the boxing match like that doesn't seem like the uh, the happiest place to work right now like in general Good. Like I say, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I want that conflict. And I know you're saying there it's like gossipy and stuff like that, but if they're all mates, there's, there's nothing I like more than hearing so and so fucking ain't so and so. And then you can, mm. you know, you can see that extra bit of needle that I can a TV between them or whatever, like, or it can bleed into something that's, I don't know, would have just been a throwaway something that's actually just got a bit more interest in it. I love it. I love all this shit. To, <laughs> to go back to the Lex Luger documentary again, they talk about him being an egomaniac, but that's what he needs to be. And there's a certain degree of this. Like, your best football player in the world, if you think they're all lovely sweetness and light and they kind of like love everyone at the club that they work at, then you're fucking deluded. If your favourite Formula F, your favourite F1 driver, guess what? 
he's probably a prick living in fucking Monaco who wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. So like this kind of, this kind of stuff, like this kind of gossip stuff really. And that's really what it is. It's, it's interesting because we find that stuff interesting, you know, rubbernecking any kind of incident going on is inherently interesting. It doesn't make it, it doesn't kind of affect the wider thing. It's just like these things, these stories seem to be coming more and more out. And for a long time, people haven't really talked about them as much. Yeah, I think. But the idea that they don't exist is, is fucking nonsense. And especially when you're talking about a place that's had a high churn of wrestlers coming in. So you've, you've, you've basically merged the Swindon office with the Slough office at this stage, haven't you? With all of these new wrestlers coming in and some of, you know, they don't trust the Swindon lot, do they? Or what, what's the one in New York in the American office? I forget now. I need Scranton. Here. No, there's Scranton. That's the Pennsylvania branch, but there's the New York one as well that Jim goes off to. <laughs> Far too many office references in this show. There's loads today. <laughs> loads. Uh, it's just that Hangman's got nothing to do. I mean, going into like Rampage, like I, I just assumed with Evil Uno out in, uh, you know, on uh, on Twitch land in uh, in Germany, wasn't he? Like previewing the uh, the game with a a very awkward Cole Cabana. It's all right. Who had to sit there while CM? Yeah, the, yeah, the game looks all right. I was just laughing at Cole Cabana having to sit there while uh, CM Punk's face came up and the cameraman knew what he was doing. Freeze faming on uh, on Paul Cabana's face. Um, Bastard. <laughs> uh, but Evil Uno was out there. I just assumed, yeah, that meant Hangman was getting added to this uh, this tournament. Um, apparently not. He's got nothing to do for the pay-per-view. Nothing going on with the, with all Hangman other than he, I assume he's going to be cornering the, the Dark Order when they inevitably face the uh, the books and uh, and Kenny at the pay-per-view, I guess. I assume so, but it's not nearly as interesting. He's meant to be one of your top guys and he's going to be cornering someone for a fucking trios title. He's getting, he's getting worked into that. He's got to be getting worked into that fucking tears. Dark yeah, Order. Yeah, he is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It'd be mad they, not to. So, uh, hang about, I'm looking. So, did so is Evil Uno in the match, the semi final, and because of Ten's injury? Is that right? Am I. Oh. Did Ten. Because it wasn't Ten, they were doing the whole knee brace thing. Am I totally fucking mixing this oh, up? Oh, yeah, that, no, you're right. Maybe that's where the way. Because Evil Uno was supposed to originally be in it and he got pulled for this Germany thing. And if they do an injury mm. thing, yeah, maybe that's where we're going. They did, they did Ten's know. knee brace, didn't they, kind of thing? So maybe True. it's just a case that he's yeah. not. He's, he's, so that they can fucking shoe on hang, Hangman in there. And if that's Dark Order with Hangman against Kenny in the books, then suddenly there's a, bit, there's a bit of juice in that, isn't there? Yeah. What do you think of that match and, uh, and Rampage as a whole? Uh, I should probably lead actually with uh, Cesaro on there. You know, your, your favorite wrestler now, Gareth. I've uh, read that on Twitter. You're apparently, a big, uh, big Claudio fan. <laughs> to be fair, like is is delivered. Like I don't think it's, um, you know, obviously, like when it was first announced, I think I was on here and I was saying like it's just another body of somebody who's a certain upper mid card level kind of thing that we're throwing into an already very busy mix kind of that there's directionless for a lot of people really what's he going to add is he going to put like you know bums on seats or eyes on tvs not really probably um you know at the time i wasn't like too hot on the idea but i think what he's actually done from an in-ring standpoint has been like spot on i've really really enjoyed like you know his his contribution really since his his his, his come to the company i think he's put on some good entertaining matches i think he seems like more over with the crowd than I probably anticipated he would be. And I just think in this environment, 
environment where he has kind of just got a I don't know, it does feel like the shackles are off a little bit kind of thing. He does have a little bit more license to just be himself a little bit more and do a bit more of what made him good in the first place without, you know, having people fucking shouting at him and telling him to do it in an entirely different way and things like that. Mm. I think he's been a notable addition, and I think where he's been, obviously work Dustin Rhodes did me this time, so you can't classify that as working with the young lads. Yeah. But when I think when he has been in there with the younger lads as well, again, he's sort of, that's been a positive he's been helping you know in, in, in those matches helping them step up and just just do a bit more um as as well i've, I've really pleasantly surprised and I, I i like it when someone can kind of make you do a u-turn almost on your, yeah. on, your, on, your, on your on your opinion it's like obviously i brought up previously about enjoying the christian cage stuff as well and like again he was somebody who i absolutely did not want in aw i didn't want to see him like work and matches and things but the value that he's brought to TV since the, the heel turn as well. It's been been fantastic as well. So it's nah, it's, it's it's good. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe there is life in these old WWE dogs yet. I just think you've got to be specific about which ones you pick up, haven't you? Claudio's like a kind of a no-brainer for one because he's underrated character-wise. Like, I think there's the idea that this, it, he's just like one of these, he's a wrestler figure who doesn't do much kind of, he's like, no, this guy can do the emoting. He can do the bit of looking the star. He knows where the fucking hard cam is. Like, he's well experienced at this point in time. I, th- I just thought it was another really fun match. Like, I mean, having seen, like, watched Dustin Rose at Capital Carnage, like, my God, he's no, no, no. Was it Capital Carnage? He was at, yeah, it was him versus Val Venus. Like, and you see the state of him there, and you compare him to now, where he's just like having that proper Indian summer, isn't he? He's almost like he should head off to Noah because, like, there's a lot of fifty-year-old lads, and he'd be showing a lot of them up as well. Yeah, for like that, but. But yeah, it, it's um, you know you mentioned uh, about one thing I didn't mention was about the Ricky Starks promo as well. Like in terms of the like death slot, like uh, you know I thought that was particularly just as as a thing. I thought he did actually well considering he was in a death spot after that Moxley match. But like when he started to pretend to cry, I thought, oh, good lad. Like he, he almost like he almost had me kind of fooled. I didn't think I've seen a lot worse kind of. Acting in my time. Put that somewhere else on the show, though. Anywhere else on the, the show. The problem is, is that for me, Ricky Starks and, and Powerhouse Hobbs is fighting for the same space that Jungle Boy and Christian Cage is. Like it feels like they're they're kind of very quite similar stories running parallel to themselves. And like, yeah, that that it might get lost in the shuffle, but is Eddie Kingston versus Sammy Guevara on the pay-per-view? I don't think it is. I think that's been taken off. Doesn't seem like it based on Rampage because they just did the tag. They did the mixed tag, but without Eddie Kingston. Yeah. <laughs> on Rampage, now that's happened. Uh, maybe they'll circle back around to it. I mean, it would make hey, sense. He was wearing the Forbidden T-shirt again, though, wasn't he? He was uh, promoting him, him and Ortiz. Uh, New York show. <laughs> maybe. Um, but yeah, like I say, that Ricky Starks, like you just got to, but having to follow Punk and Moxley was just yeah. like to cut a emotional promo when all anyone wants is to hear from Punk and Moxley was just yeah, you know, put put them on at any point in the show other than that before it, way later after it on Rampage or on Dynamite next week even like yeah, um, I don't think he was uh, very, but yeah, they built they built that story up on uh, on Rampage as well with uh, like I say the uh, the QC Marshall uh, uh, angle with them beating up uh, Ricky Starks with the watch. Um, I don't know if there's anything else notable from Rampage you had, Gareth. <laughs> Rampage. I don't think there was like the an it. probably no. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. 
I don't think it was notable, but I thought it was a better edition of Rampage. Actually, I, I, it was an enjoyable. It was an enjoyable enough hour of telly. I thought it, when you looked at the stuff that they they had going going on, like what um, again, just it just felt like there was a bit more like kind of like impetus to stuff with just you know just including things with Wardlow, including stuff with like Powerhouse Hobbs, like obviously the the main mm-hmm. event and things things. It just felt like there was a bit more going on really that was that was that was feeding feeding it and stuff, but definitely nothing that it was like if you missed it, you're not going into the. Um, this week's dynamite or going into the pay-per-view like like oh shit what have i missed because i would have thought like it's just us because we're podcasters like being forced to watch it like when it's an op is there an option for you to skip it most weeks now or do you just i know you are a completer so i'm probably asking the wrong guys (laughs) here i I can't not you know i've never missed an episode of rampage or dynamite ever so i can't like break the the day i don't watch an episode of of rampage might be like i never watch rampage ever again you know so gotta keep it going you know the thing is i i'll always like although it's not like groundbreaking tv or anything like that like at the end of the day it's still just an hour of wrestling isn't it and it's just there's there's things there where it does progress storylines it does little things happen that you know will have relevance down the line and stuff like that you know so it's 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 not a fucking hard watch is it other than the theme between ad breaks (laughs) yeah (laughs) they need to uh, do a sir paul and get those uh, those chopped off asap um but no that's pretty much it unless you had any other aw thoughts shaping no, that's pretty much it. Other than we'll be talking about it quite a lot. Obviously, we'll be doing a full preview of All Out and all the various other million and one shows that we're doing a weekend show this weekend, this Friday, I think we're looking for. so. Our, our excitement for Clash at the Castle is at a near record high. So yeah. When worlds collide, mate, that's it. <laughs> oh, that's on as well. It'll end with uh, with Bright with Bron Brecker taking a slash on a grave that's just got <laughs> NXT UK written in shit across the grave. So. <laughs> Forward to that. That'd be um, awesome. Pretty deadly. Come over and do a couple of turds on there as well, and then that's it. You never mention it ever again. Uh, no, they're called Gallus, mate. That's the name. So if you say a couple of turds, yeah. that's all I think of. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> anything else you've been watching then, JP? Yeah, it's like previews coming uh, later in the week. But well, anything else? I did want to mention, and I got this wrong in the preview, so I knew it was the end of like. So we've had the N1 victories, the Stardom tournament. I haven't seen as much because stardom tends to take a couple of breaks in between so yeah tournament season isn't over mate it's uh next next week it week, weekend it goes on because there isn't any wrestling shows on next weekend like we've already said so we have to chuck in this into the mix but i decided to watch it because it was the last day of block action so next weekend is just basically like a big card um with um the n1 victory final which is and i'm pretty sure neither of you have a clue who's going to be in it do you want to have a guess who's in it I'm an old shit. <laughs> Have a guess. <laughs> you said no. No. Oh, but I don't know. Go on, guys. Hideki, Hideki Suzuki, who um, Tim Thatcher was back alongside him this weekend. Like, uh, obviously, he was at NXT. Um, it's him versus Kaito Kiyomiya in the final. Because it feels like they're doing something with Kiyomiya for this one. But I did, I decided to kind of watch bits of the last kind of two days of the block show. So like I say, I think it's next Saturday, Saturday the 3rd, I think it is, is, is where the final is. So in terms of that as a final, like, I mean, 
before I even get to that, my overall thoughts for what I've seen of it, if we're looking at it as kind of like on a comparison with the G1, there's probably a lot of this that's probably the same level match rating wise. I mean, I know using the app as a bit of a guide through the N1 about which ones to, to see. And it's been particularly the Keno matches, like Keno versus Go and Keno versus Suzuki, um, which like were kind of like proper, as you'd imagine, hard hitting kind of brutal Noah affairs, um, which were, which is, you know, very, very good. I know he's the one he's, he, there are over four stars on those. I think the one mm-hmm. against Suzuki is up towards like 4.19 or something along those lines. There's a lot of consistency because the, the way the blocks were set out is you didn't have as, you know, you had, 14 people, so you had seven in each, seven, you know, eight in each block, sorry, 16. But there isn't really as much shit. It's only Kenya Okada, who was in there as a last-minute replacement for Thatcher, who couldn't get his visa, who was the only person who didn't get any points. And there was a lot of kind of, I think, quite fun stuff there. I mean, Kiyomiya versus Kojima for him to win, and they had um, Nakajima on commentary, so, and if they were going to have the tie, because Kiyomiya had beaten Nakajima in the in the round-robin stage, he was going to go through, which he did, so you could see them setting up that with Nakajima in there as well later on. The fact that um, uh, uh, they had um, Fujita beating Keno, which stopped Keno, if he'd won, he would have, I think he would have gone through over Hideki Suzuki, so they're kind of setting up like they could go either way in that final, and neither one, neither way is not a bad option because if you're built, having Kiyomiya win it, good, he gets the prestige of winning the N1, but without having to deal with, you know, the fact that he might end up losing to Keno and is he kind of back to square one, whereas you might take a slightly longer route with it. Whereas Hideki Suzuki is someone, how long have they got him for? Are they going to be using him, you know? for a bit obviously there's him and Thatcher as a tag team as well so there's kind of a bit of interest and intrigue where they could go with that a couple of really shocking ones I had one where um, Takeshi Segura lost in a minute to um, Hedonism's finest customer Masakatsu Fanaki Um, so yeah it was like one minute and he just sort of choked him out he like an opportunity to put his choke on and he did and then Segura ended up being sort of taken out. And that was like 57 seconds. It was like, great. There was another case of that where Nakajima did a kick to the jaw of Kenya Okada, knocked him fucking out like three minutes. Like he's, he had to get stretched out and he has a fractured jaw now as a result of it. But it was fucking brutal. Was like, Jesus Christ. That's like a proper kick to the head. Um, uh, that happened there it was just like absolutely full on and it um, Thunder and Rosa was, wouldn't be down with her no not at all <laughs> she wouldn't be like and it you know it, it's a it's a it's an occupational hazard when it comes to wrestling and Noah that this kind of stuff can fucking happen on here there was you'll be pleased to know they had like so the way they structure these cards so much better than the G1 so they've had like eight nights of N1 how many nights of G1 were there? That felt like it was like 38 or something like that. Or like, I say that in jest, there was like 19 or so shows. So it's like less than half the amount of shows. They'll start off with a dark match, which is just like a, a tag match, which might involve some juniors or funky weapon or whoever. And then it's like four block matches, another kind of interval tag match, and then four block matches. So you're getting every everyone there on that, and it and it kind of works for that because they had a bit where 
Chris Ridgway came in. He did like a a run-in to help save Stinger, which I get confused of who's member in there, and, and Agawa. He turned up for this. He didn't forget just, this you, date. You just perked Benno's interest there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it feels like that. he's going to get a junior title push as well. So, because they wouldn't have had him had a run-in. If he didn't mean anything, they just would have announced that he's going to be wrestling in a in a, in a a multi-man match. But they didn't. The fact they have had as, as a run-in suggested that they'll do something with him. Maybe he'll get a junior title run. No, a junior title doesn't mean shit, though. Being honest, like I mean, Daisuke Harada's out for a while, so it doesn't mean anything in there. We're going to get Chris Ridgway out there, so you know that proves that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and I'd be remiss not to mention um, uh, Sublime every time Jack Morris, who um, very much the hipster Drew McIntyre, um, <laughs> I'd want to mention it. And do you know what? He did really well. I watched me beat Masakit Amir. Um, Gareth, would you believe? I know he got three. He had the same record as me. They both had six points. This is why I don't watch Noah. <laughs> ah, but but Jack Morris is like as the idea of like because they did an open audition, so there was loads of wrestlers sent over tapes, and some got brought over, like an Anthony Green, who was there to be a pin eater in this tournament. Do you know what? Perfectly fine. Like he did perfectly fine. He did a bit of commentary as well, like during the tournament. He did okay, but I thought Jack Morris looks like a really good, solid, tidy wrestler. And when he's back in the UK, it'll be interesting to see if there's going to be a few promotions, whether that's north up in Newcastle or even going down as as down to the northwest he'll and be wrestling on a, around there. It'll, it'll be on Wrestle Carnival and they'll be building it as a Noah show. <laughs> yeah. That's actually... Do you know what? Well, that sounds like that's exactly going to fucking happen. Him and Ridgeway, there, yeah, as soon as he better. said that. There, exactly. But uh, he's done well. Like, I mean, as a solid all-round wrestler, I mean, the match he had um, with, with Kitamiya as well, he's had having to sell the, the knee the whole time, his, his left knee, and I thought he did a, a really good job. He did a slight... He, I thought he was going to do a Brock Lesnar on a shooting star press. He just caught him sort of with a bit with the head, but it was kind of fine. But he'll be brought over for another tour. They wouldn't have given him six points if he didn't have any faith. And he represents to them a cheaper, like, kind of Brit to bring in there. If they want to maybe try and, you know, have, like, they want to have more of a British presence outside of the commentators, don't they, in, in Noah, then he's someone to go in there. He's a fresh face. Like I say, I expect we'll see a bit of him. I mean, he's very much like what you'd expect of a solid professional wrestler. But like Joel Redmond, when he ended up in the Champions Carnival, being a solid professional wrestler in these tournaments is a good thing. It's a strength. It doesn't mean you're bland because you've got to wrestle like, you know, he's, he's, there's a lot of match. This is more like a kind of a G1 schedule where it's a lot of it's a lot of matches over a very short space of time. So this tournament doesn't last more than sort of like, what, three, four weeks, if that. So I think like he's done really well for himself. There, that's Noah. I can go through who won the the block stages or anything else, but yeah, that was all I was going to say on that. Happy with that? Was that good? Is that sort of precise five minutes? Any questions, Benno? I just wonder if Gareth's going to be attempted back to uh, to be a uh, captain Noah again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those days dead. I'll give it. Uh, no, I'll go. I'll, I'll I'll give it six months. Um, I'll just. Uh, I'm a. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm holding back on uh, emotionally investing in <laughs> anything until there's a bit more signs of. Um, I don't know. A bit more signs of doing what they should be doing. 
There's that there is a lot. And uh, Triple yeah. H is WWE as well. Fair, fair shout, you know. See if Braun comes back yeah, well. first, you know. Braun and Braun. Well, well, apparently they're off the Bronson Reed, aren't they? Yeah, <sighs> you can have them. They him. I keep uh, New Japan keep will be annoyed. Yeah. Keep going on Twitter, though, and I've seen these people saying, oh, WWE's good now and, and, and all this. I'm just like, no, it isn't. Not yet. Like, <laughs> like, no. People, I, I remember when NXT 2.0 came out and those people for a month were trying to convince you that that was good as well. Like, yeah. you know, let's, uh, Expectations let's, just the, put, let's just pump the brakes a little bit here. Let's just sit back, <laughs> give stuff time to just bed in, and let's, let's see where we are in three months' time before we uh, all get too excited about that one. One of them, the, 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 you know, it's not hard to improve on Vince McMahon's WWE. You know what I mean? You just need someone who's not a senile seventy-seven-year-old. You know, yeah. not stepping out the lane and booking paint-by-numbers TV. That's basically what they're doing right now. Apparently, yeah, that is the rumor. Braun Strowman's uh, turning up tonight, so I don't know if that might uh, change your, uh, <laughs> your mind, Gareth. As far as guys, it's, it's like it's, it's it's like looking at that. It's like Crazy, Triple H's WWE. Like, yay. Killer Cross is back, and so is Johnny Gargano, and so is Braun oh, yeah, Strowman. This, 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 this sounds like oh, wow! What three inspiring signings to make me uh, <laughs> want to get behind the company? He's loyal like, to really. me. I've got to say, like I, he's loyal to some really, really bang average mid card bland wrestlers. But like, if you're who, a who, H, who made you NXT, who, who made NXT go bad? At the end, I'm expecting no way Jose is waltzing straight into the like fucking intercontinental title run at this point. Yeah, he believes in his people, Nixon, like Gargano was Nick, treated Nixon like Neal, is, is Nixon Neal back yet? She'll, <laughs> she'll be getting a gig, yeah. that'll be coming, yeah, yeah. Jonah and Braun are the uh, the stories apparently, yeah, for tonight, but yeah, the Gargano thing last week was like, yeah, they came out, got like a it was completely out of nowhere. I think Davy and Braden were at the show, weren't they? Because it was in Toronto. Yeah. And they, they're big Gargano guys, and they missed it. Uh, they, they came running back to the seats. I think I saw Pollock uh, post a photo of that. Uh, but yeah, he treats them like he was like a genuine star. You know what I mean? It's like he's like I say he's uh, if you're a Triple H guy, he's uh, you know it, it's not a. I always thought it was put on. I always thought he was just after free baskets, baskets from Reddit, and maybe uh, a part of him uh, still is, but. Whether it's a positive or a negative, you believe in these people. Um, so, yeah. But, if Jonah's coming in, though, Jonah beat a Carter in the G1, didn't he? And like, yeah. I was going to say that would piss them off a lot because he felt like he was being set up, whether you like him or dislike him, as not a Farley replacement per se, but they wanted a big bit, a bit of a big foreign monster in there. That's what they wanted. And like, he would have ticked that box very, very easily for them. And he was young, so they'd have that much more upside to like a Farley. But no, if he, if he, and let's face it, as soon as they, they got interest, it generally means he, he'll be signing because he'll be offered more money. Back to that, aren't we? Just who might be up. bad, do Tito's time to shine here, though, lads. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, Fucking so do I. <laughs> oh, well, well, yeah, you can have him and uh, Triple H can have uh, what's it called, the mask one from Bloodsport. Oh, what was the name? We found out he was problematic. Uh, Beat um, Super Beast. Super Beast, that's it. Yeah, maybe Super Beast. Uh, will get the uh, the WWE run. Maybe that's well, uh, how things will uh, will fall. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll. Uh, like I say, we will talk more WWE when it comes to uh, to Clash of the Castle uh, at the weekend, won't we, JP? But yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much it. Unless there's anything else you wants to mention, Gareth. Mm. Nah, covers uh, <laughs> covers off everything I've watched. You can say download the app again. <laughs> We can, yeah. Download, download the app, and also Log if you're ordering, um, if you're ordering um, 
um, all out. Um, there'll be a link up on the yes. Grapple website to do that as well. So, um, yeah, make sure you visit grappleapp.com forward slash support when you're ordering that. A little, uh, little kickback to help with those uh, repairs that have gone on in the app over the last month or so. Plugging that on the weekend show on uh, on Friday. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. yeah. Look forward to, to that. And in from us, JP, and in for us to plug. Um, tomorrow we're going to have new patron show out, which will obviously be about uh, uh, Capital Carnage. Um, so that was a hell of a lot of fun to record. We'll have that. We're going to be doing an Observe This um, to t- team up with SummerSlam 92 or Where is Hawk? As it's going to be. Control where F- was it? Where was Control it? Control F. Control F. Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> Hegstron. And all we find is brackets on the other side of Hegstron as well. I'm hoping that Dave is in brackets mode. His fingers crossed. And then we've got a week. we got a grapple FPL on Thursday. Yep. And then on Friday, we've got, um, we've got the weekend show, like you already mentioned, which has got a fuck ton of stuff to preview. So calm down on the news for this next week. Just do some wrestling shit. And then we can get, we might have time for that. Otherwise we'll be there all fucking night. But yeah, we've got all that. So go to patreon.com forward slash grapple. Brilliant. So yeah, as JP said, look forward to all that. Download the app and yeah, we'll be back with Spotlight next week. You're back with us next week, Gareth. Can we lock you in? Yeah, I think I will God, be. Uh, I don't know if I'll be. I don't know if I'll be watching Clash at the Castle, but I'll, uh, you are Drew McIntyre in a main well, event, mate. But WWE, come on! I'll definitely have a. I'll, I'll have thoughts about all out anyway. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, we'll have you on to, uh, to talk all out uh, next week. But yeah, look forward to that. Uh, usual time, usual place. But yeah, we'll catch you again next week. Bye. Cheers, Cheers out. out. See you.